0: You are now listening to the sound of your spider sense. Oh no, it's a podcast coming. It's a podcast called Sanity at the Movies or Spider at the, oh no. That's a bad way to begin this podcast. <laughs> sometimes I walk off of a pun bridge and think that, or, or to use a better metaphor, sometimes I throw myself off of a building, a pun building and think that I can shoot my pun webs. And they will grab onto something, and then I'll swing through a successful... It's
1: a, it's a leap of faith.
0: Yeah, it's a leap of faith. But my leap of faith, I, I say, what's up, danger? And then danger smashes me across the face, and I feel like the fool. I look like the fool. The guy who said, this podcast is called Spider at the Movies. <laughs> you know, let's, go, let's go with it. Welcome to Spider at the Movies. We've got our good friend, Ben Spider. Right there. Mm, hello. How you doing, Ben Spider? Doing well. Hey, why don't you introduce the uh, spider who's a <laughs> guide who guides her. <laughs> no! <laughs>
2: What's up, danger? <laughs> okay.
0: No, we're going with it. This is the podcast. This right. Is, yeah. Leave sure. your faith. Leave of faith. Okay. All right. Welcome to Sa- Sanity at the Movies. My name is Nathan. I am your humble and obedient host. Don't know why. We got... Benjamin J. Sulzer right there. Hello. And why don't you introduce... You're the preacher who's a teacher of cinema. And we've got the...
1: <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the what first, he does, yeah. first time. Yep.
0: Yeah. And why don't you introduce the third gentleman?
1: Jake Minsel, the pastor who's a master of film. <laughs> film? <laughs> How many syllables can we pack into <laughs> <laughs> At least a couple. Film. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ben's from Tennessee. Ben is that from Tennessee? That explains it for sure. He's the only Tennessee. Louisiana
0: before that. We see. Fun fact, I went out with a girl one time, and I printed out a bunch of pickup lines from the internet, and when she got into the car, I said, Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 see." And she
3: got (laughs) back out of the car and left. No, we
0: made made it three dates. (laughs) Then we broke up. (laughs) She she wasn't very impressed. She was like, (laughs) And I was like, Maybe this will (laughs) work.
2: And it didn't. Uh,
0: (laughs) Well, in any case... (laughs) We're here to talk about Spider what is the technical
3: name of this Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse.
0: Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is not yeah. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, the broad hit Broadway musical. It is not Spider-Man Far From Home, the second Tom Holland movie. It's not Spider-Man Home No Way. No.
3: What's No Way Home is the forthcoming, Far From Home is the second and Homecoming is the first. Yes.
0: That's right. Well, we're here to talk about all things Spider-Man, and specifically the movie Spider-Verse. Jake, I wouldn't be telling tales out of school to say that you suggested we talk about this movie.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I threw it out there.
0: And why'd you throw throw it out there? You want Because
3: like... I was watching it with my kids, and I thought, on a Friday night, and I thought I would kill two birds with one stone. I won't have to do anything else. <laughs> and this was like two weeks ago, and I thought we were recording last week, so, anyhow.
0: Well, I'm glad you guys weren't watching Milo and Otis cuz
3: <laughs> I would not have done that out. well I just, we just wouldn't be watching it. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
2: <laughs>
3: but you're a big
0: Spider-Verse fan. I think I'm not telling tales out no, of No, I love that movie. School. It's great.
3: I put it on my in my little top 10 time capsule thing
0: of movies or of superhero movies or what's when what is it? We did
3: this? our thing earlier this year, you know. Oh, yeah.
0: This was one of your
3: this is one of my 10.
0: Best kids movies. And this made the cut. It made the cut. Because you had a list of about 30 that I think you narrowed down to 10 or 12 or whatever. Yeah. And whatever it, our gimmick was.
3: And my caveat was that I wasn't necessarily picking the best 10 movies, but if we were making a little time capsule of things that needed to both be great and complement each other. Mm-hmm. So this made the cut.
0: So this is one of mm-hmm. the best children's movies of all time, according to Jake Menzel. Right. <laughs> Who loves being boxed into that corner <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of the podcast? Yeah, and nah, that's that's not a good frame to put on it, but it's a it's a good movie. You would you would I wouldn't be misrepresenting you to say you would consider this to be a yeah good it's great or a I great movie. It. Ben, what is your baggage with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse?
1: Ah, uh, I love Spider-Man, always have, and I don't know. I was hoping it would be cool. It was really fun. That's about it. Well, my baggage is that the day that I saw this movie, it was the first day
0: that I met the future at that point, now current, Mrs. Solzer.
1: Well, all right. Now we're going to... All right. I'll, you're right. There's extra baggage, Nathan, that goes with this movie. And it was the first time that my now wife had visited me in Bloomington, where I lived. And first time she met you guys, actually. Yeah. And so it was maybe... it was It was fun to see this movie with her. It was also not the most fun time to see this movie with her because we were still figuring out... Our relationship.
0: Did you hold hands?
1: A little, (laughs) awkwardly, during the movie. Maybe I think we did. We both had our minds on other things. Like, is this gonna work out? And is she gonna like my friends, Jake and Nathan? And is this a fun time at the movies? And what else should I be thinking about? And am I supposed to hold hands now? Or is this not the right time? Because it's it's too soon. So that was kind of. That was it. That was it. Well, you got to take a leap of faith. I did. Faith in what? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> just, right. Just take a leap. That <laughs> this will be the right movie to take your sweetheart to.
0: Well, I actually had a very similar experience because I was dating my uh, ex-wife. No, my current wife, <laughs> ex-girlfriend, wow. Wow. then then current girlfriend, <laughs> pre-wife, or maybe we were engaged at that point. I don't remember, but. Anyway, we were dating. And so it was one of the first movies that we saw together. And so there was just, you're so hyper aware of, is the other person enjoying this? Yeah. And then you added the complication of Ben's girlfriend is here. Am I going to like her? Is she going to like me? Is this going to be, what's this going to be like? And then you have Jake there and Jake's kids. So there was just like a lot of crackling energy mm-hmm. in the room and it was distracting. It from, was a from the movie. And so I enjoyed the movie. I remember enjoying the movie, but I had not gone back to it since. I had not been compelled to go back to it since. I've seen the Tom Holland first one a couple times. I think that's the my most recent experience with anything related to everybody's favorite web slinger. But I had not really ever had a chance to Litigate this movie apart from all those emotions and things that had absolutely. Did you actually enjoy it? Because we came out of
3: the theater and you're like, that movie was terrible, and I hated it.
0: Did I? I think
1: really that, did he say that?
0: I think that I would not have said that. That 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 is definitely the legend, and that is definitely kind of the cartoon version of what Nathan would say after a movie because Nathan always wants to prove that he is smarter than all the idiots that like things that are popular. That being said, the movie's pretty undeniably great, entertaining, and a a good time at the movies.
2: (laughs) 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 Uh.
0: (laughs) I mean, it is funny and exciting and fun. And, like, I don't think I could have possibly said, sneer. I hated that. What I imagine I said was, well, for whatever reason, it's not as good as you guys think it is. That's only... <laughs> I think that's about... <laughs> that, that may be a little more fair,
3: but... Yeah. But, I mean, you bas- you did spend a lot of time just sort of ripping the entire second half of the movie. Or the f- the final third act of the movie.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: That's possible. I, I don't remember what I said. I mean, do you remember what I said? I'd be interested to know if you have a, yeah, even an impression of what it was. Well,
3: my impression of what you said was... Okay, so we've got a movie that wants to be meta and cool, and it's going to spend a whole lot of time arbitrarily setting up a problem that all Spider-Men have, and then keep that problem and keep you in suspense about the problem that's obviously going to be resolved until such time as the plot requires it to arbitrarily switch. Then you flip the switch, and then now he's awesome, and that's just a really lame thing to do.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I still think that that's somewhat true. But what I would say now is when it's done this well, who cares? Like, yeah, it's kind of not that strong in and of itself. But boy, do they pull it off. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just that rap song and the beautiful imagery and everything. But if something's working, it's working and it works. So anyway, we'll litigate that later. But uh, suffice to say, I think I like this movie better this time just because I was able to give myself to it in a more pure kind of a way and just see what was there you know yeah and i don't know i guess we'll have to go back and do stupid guy richie's aladdin again because that's the other big one that i saw with (laughs) meredith and maybe it's great maybe
3: (laughs) jafar's not boring i was i was just
0: (laughs) seduced by my love and i don't know
3: I don't think you're going to turn on that one.
0: Maybe, yeah, maybe Captain Marvel is actually <laughs> the new Citizen Kane. And
3: I'm just <laughs> that was the worst movie-going experience of all time.
0: No, well, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Menzel hit me with a, a Sprite bottle. Yeah, that's what I remember In about Captain that Captain Marvel?
3: One. Yeah,
0: well, the lights went out, and me and Meredith may have been, there may have been a kiss exchanged or something like uh, that. Yeah. We were engaged or dating, and yes, your godly wife rightly hit us with a Sprite bottle.
3: Was that the third or fourth, after the third or fourth time the movie started and stopped? And Oh, the
1: it, it was, I didn't get to be part of this movie-going experience, the, I wonder.
0: We've told this story before, but yeah. basically the movie pauses. If, if anybody's seen the movie, it's a scene where they have to take a bridge or something. About maybe a quarter of the way in, Jude Law is leading a team that has to take a bridge on a planet for some reason that I will never remember yeah. and don't intend to <laughs> ever remember. But the bridge
3: is burned into your memory because we lived with that bridge for a really long time not
0: only did we live with that bridge this was awful so i've been at some screenings where the things have broken down or a scene has been skipped or remember when the audio dropped out of ready player one and we missed the big emotional beat at the end (laughs) yeah
3: that was awesome (laughs)
0: they're like actually video games I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. I think maybe even the bad guy had a redemptive moment, but we'll we, never we know. know. I'm, yeah. I'm sure as heckfire not gonna go back and figure out what was going on <laughs> in that one.
3: <laughs>
0: so anyway, it just pauses and it's just it's just on the bridge for a while.
3: And, and it, No, first it, the, the first sound goes out. Is at one point we had sound with a frozen frame, and at another point we had no sound with the movie moving forward. And then we had stops and starts. And I I get the order of how it happened mixed up. But man.
0: It took about 10 minutes. And then the worst part happened, which I'll get to. But basically, the way that I remember is the sound went out first. And you kind of felt like maybe for a minute it was part of. Oh, yeah. You know how the sound will drop out in the middle of a battle scene or something like that. It kind of had that vibe. But then the audience slowly realized, oh, no, the sound just dropped out. And people started catcalling. Or not catcalling. That's what you do to a lady yeah, if you're a bad person. Yeah. But what what is it? Yeah. It's just, just booing. Turn on the sound. Boo. And everybody, I think, was pretty primed to boo because people in middle America and everywhere, we we didn't actually like Captain Marvel. I don't think anybody liked it.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and, and, <laughs> so anyway, people start booing. What people who lied. Yeah. There, there were some people that lied. <laughs> some whipped males that lied. And some shrewish females that liked it maybe but lame lame so anyway then the film after just playing silently for a couple minutes as i recall maybe it was just 45 seconds but it felt like an eternity it pauses and then it starts to back up like as if someone's rewinding a dvd and then it starts to play the bridge scene again whatever the problem is reoccurs suddenly there's no sound people start booing then the movie shuts off The theater just goes black, it's kind of a little bit disorienting to be in a room with 400 people or whatever, because this was a packed like opening night crowd, and suddenly just in black, Nathan and Meredith have some canoodling. They get hit with the the Sprite uh, (laughs) bottle by the aforementioned uh, godly woman, uh, wife of Jake, and I don't remember whether that stops them in their dire course or not, but in any case, then the worst thing happens. The worst thing that's ever happened to any of us <laughs> <laughs> happens.
3: Like, we've been in this theater, in this terrible movie for like 30 or 40 minutes now.
0: The movies, Enough of the movie's gone by that we're like, oh no, this, they're not pulling it off. We're not going to like this one. Brie Larson's annoying. We, yep. we already know we're in for a slog.
3: The movie starts over. They start it from the top.
0: From the top. And we have to sit through the whole Movie.
3: Suddenly, the Marvel credits sting comes on, and I think half the movie theater started booing again. Yeah. It was just like, are you serious?
0: Worst, one of the probably the worst Marvel movie, and the worst way to see the worst Marvel movie.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I'm happy to never have seen it. And they didn't do a single thing to placate us. No. No manager came in and offered us refunds, passes. Nobody came in and said, sorry, we had trouble. We know that you've been here for an hour because you got here for the, it it was opening night and you were in line or whatever and now we're starting the movie and you get home an hour later. If you want to leave, here's a free ticket stub or Mm -hmm. if you want to stay, here's a free ticket stub, whatever. Here's free popcorn on us. Anything they could have done, like nobody would have gotten up to, actually everybody would have gotten up and Mm -hmm. gotten free popcorn if they offered free popcorn in the first 35 minutes of Mm -hmm. But still. Nothing here. Cups for drinks. Drinks cost the movie theater. Nothing. Mm-hmm. They didn't do a single thing.
0: And I've been to movie screenings where they've been like, "Sorry, the air conditioning was two degrees off." Here's a free ticket for next time. Yeah, that's how this chain used to be. Actually, I was just say that it was it's AMC. AMC. AMC has gone downhill. Particularly the AMC Twelve in Bloomington has gone downhill. But I think just in general, they're not the nice sort of family business that they used to be. In any case, yeah, it was a bummer of a movie-going experience. But we did get to see Brie Larson take down the patriarchy, so that was nice. It was good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And we got to see Marvel make probably the best possible use of Jude Law. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to cast Jude Law into the MCU, the thing that you do is make him the villain of your Captain Marvel movie.
0: And eventually, just like every man, the butt of the joke.
3: Yep. Brilliant. Good job, Marvel. Well done.
0: Yep. At least uh, Brie Larson sneered and showed no vulnerability yeah. whatsoever or any kind of likable attribute because <laughs> arrogant sneering people are...
3: There aren't many actors out there that are more likable than Jude Law and there aren't many actresses out there that are less likable than Brie Larson. It's true. And I mean, just what a, what a joke. What, a, what sheer stupidity. <laughs>
0: And that is what we thought of Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> so, Spider-Verse.
4: Definitely We're, better
1: than def- Captain Marvel. Way better. <laughs> we established that at the outset.
0: The only question today uh, that lies before us is how high on the ranking of great superhero movies Spider-Verse goes. Well, I don't know, Ben, is that the question? Do you want to claim? So, Jake has claimed, I think we can say, that Spider-Verse is... One of the great superhero movies? Is that putting words in your mouth? No,
3: i I think it's, I think it's, I think it's one of the the best superhero movies ever. Ben, I really love it. Would I you like to make a, a counterclaim? I think that, yeah, I'll leave it there. But I, I really think when you take every all things into consideration, it's.
0: So You might not declare. You know, you might not give it a, the crown, but this is going up there with the Dark Knight, with the Incredibles, with anything else that somebody yeah. might want to throw into the ring. Yep. Would you give it? To, would you do that, Ben?
1: I think I would. It's hard for me to imagine something I enjoy more or would want to watch again so soon after seeing it, having just seen it a few days ago.
0: What about holding hands with your wife and watching her smile? Wait,
1: what? <laughs> what? I, I think you pulled the switcheroo. <laughs> I'm trying to name
0: something you would enjoy watching more. <laughs> oh, wow,
1: that's a movie. Something that's a movie. Something that's a movie. Okay. Yeah. We'll figure. It, I'll figure it out as we go. I'm sure what I really think.
0: What do you really think? Yeah. And I'm gonna figure out what I think too. I was hoping to come into this podcast with more of a concrete take, but life just hasn't given me the space. So I'm gonna be figuring it out as we go. I don't know. I have ambivalent feelings, and we'll talk about from whence they spring. Mm-hmm. But. Let's talk about Spider-Man real quick. You guys want to talk about Spider-Man? Yeah, sure. Of course. So 1962. Let me take you back to the golden age of 1962. Kennedy hasn't been shot yet, I think. I don't know. That was not 63, right? Maybe that was 61. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the moon landing is a thing that will happen or did happen.
2: <laughs> what an exciting
3: time. <laughs> 9-11 is also a thing that eventually will happen. Definitely hasn't happened yet. That wall's going to fall at some point.
2: The
4: wall's going to fall,
0: Mr. Gorbachev. But it's still up right now. (laughs) The Iron Curtain stretches
3: across the land. (laughs) Wow, amazing historical context. Yes, yes, yes.
0: (laughs) So Stan Lee, you guys are familiar with Mr. Stan Lee. He had had some success with things like Fantastic Four, but he wanted to make another hero. And he told his publisher, Martin Goodman, that he wanted to do... A spider person, and Martin Goodman hated this idea. He thought that this was such a dumb idea. And if you think about it, or if you know your comic book history, you know how weird and sort of off kilter Spider Man felt. How non-intuitive. First of all, he's a spider. Anything, <laughs> and people don't like spiders. Like, yeah. if if I just if you'd never heard of Spider Man, and I just said he's a guy with spider powers, you're like, Ew, spider, gross, yeah. cockroach man. Does that sound good? Would you yeah. would you be interested in mm-hmm. that? Uh, he was a teenager, and heroes were supposed to be men. Superman. You had your Robins and stuff like that, but basically your heroes were your Superman, your Batman, your these iconic manly, square jawed figures. So that was a no go for Mr. Martin Goodman, Stan Lee's publisher. Uh, part of the pitch was that he was going to have pimples. He was going to have money troubles. He was going to be put upon. And once again. Martin Goodman's just like, why? Batman's a millionaire. Superman's the son of Krypton. Like, what, what kind of an aspirational hero, Herculean figure is this? He was not going to have a mentor figure, which was kind of weird. And the publisher basically just hated it but said, all right, Stan, you can try it out. We're not, we're not going to like assign a line of comics. We're just going to let you try it as a one-shot in our series Amazing Fantasy. And so Spider-Man premiered an amazing fantasy number fifteen in nineteen sixty two That episode now most recently went for one point nine million dollars. but that
3: episode you mean that 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 that, edition, that, issue, that issue sorry yeah
0: mm-hmm. so you have to to understand the history of Spider-Man, start with how strange and outside of the bot. I mean, it would be like if I was like, "Hey, guys, let's do a podcast where the music is." Louder than the, the vocals. Like, just let's do everything the most annoying, non-intuitive. What, the difference being it was a good idea. Right. And it worked.
3: <laughs> a stroke of genius. It was a stroke yeah. of
0: genius because Spider-Man is the first relatable hero. He's not a millionaire in a mansion. He's not the son of Krypton. He's just a high it's school student. It's not about
3: aspirations. It's about what, what if I was saddled with hmm Right. Tremendous power. And
0: as such, the soap opera of Peter Parker's life, his relationship with Gwen Stacy, and then later MJ and all this stuff really worked and people really bought into it. And he was an aspirational figure, but he's kind of the first beta aspirational figure or nerd or whatever you want to say. He's this quippy guy who's intelligent, but he's put upon, he's bullied, he doesn't have any anything great or super about him outside of the fact that fate chooses him to bestow this power and it's like they say in spider verse anybody could have gotten this but it just happened to be peter Mm -hmm. and very early on they established the classic story that we've all seen a million times and the uncle that dies because peter doesn't take responsibility the whole what's the line the line is great power yeah
3: Comes great responsibility.
0: <clears throat> Did not actually originally belong to Uncle Ben. It was just a line in a little box. You know
3: how boring
0: yep. old comics of the era would narrate everything. Spider-Man swings swiftly across the building using his... Was like, I know, I can, I can see the picture, you idiots. He was a high school student. He was quippy, which is also new. Batman and Superman, very stoic, kind of grand individuals very operatic but spider-man's just really down to earth really relatable has like we said pimples and money problems that was Stan Lee's formula nobody thought that it would work but it worked out of the gate it was a huge success by 1963 spider-man has his own line and i don't think i've even wrapped my head around why people love spider-man so much i mean i he is arguably the most popular among children especially character i mean Mm -hmm. people just love i remember seeing civil war when tom holland shows up everybody's just like yay Mm -hmm. you could feel the energy shift in the room spider-man we love this guy (laughs) people love spider-man i don't know what is it what is i mean i've just named some
3: things that people like to talk about but is there some i mean what what i think people it is that whole thing of anybody can can wear the mask Mm -hmm. anybody could be behind that mask even the fact that you don't see who Peter is, like he could be anybody, and he could be you, and all it would take is getting bitten by the right radioactive spider and some real freak thing, <laughs> and yeah, he
0: is an audience surrogate. Yeah. A the, the kids can jack into this story like jack into the Matrix style, like in, in in a way that they just never could with Batman or Superman. Batman or Superman stand outside of us. Even the Fantastic Four stood outside of us. Superman mm-hmm. or Spider Man, he just is us.
3: He has, he still has all the same problems that we have, right? He and, just has these superpowers to deal with too.
1: Well, there's also, uh, I mean, as a, kid, I remember in elementary school, we would, <laughs> we had these Spider Man comics in digest form. Mm-hmm. If you guys remember those, they were like these. They weren't full size magazines. They were little digest. That contained a bunch of Spider-Man stories at once, right? And it was super fun. And I would read those whenever I was allowed to read something from the shelf Mm -hmm. in my elementary school classroom. And uh, I always, as a kid, liked his powers because it's not just flying around. It's like it—it's more limited. Yeah, it's more like you have to problem solve if you have Peter's powers. Superman is Superman just does what he he wants. he Problem solves sometimes in in his own insane way. So does Batman, but Spider-Man is like. Well, yeah, he can swing around and lift stuff, but he can't lift like everything and he can't fly away and he might run out of webbing. And he, he just has all these fun limitations that make his powers fun to watch and imagine. I think you that's know? a really great insight. It's
0: like, have you, have you ever been imagining like, what would I do if I had a million dollars? And then somebody, some idiot ruins the conversation by saying, <laughs> as long as you're imagining, what if you had a trillion dollars? It's like, no, it yeah. was way more fun <laughs> to imagine what I would do with a limp, with $100,000, actually. Right. like I, I can yeah. only spend so much and I have to allocate. Yeah, Spider-Man has that charm that Superman... Batman, weirdly, although you'd think he has limitations, he really doesn't. Because he can always pull a new gadget. He can always have the drop on his, <laughs> that's th- right. his enemies.
1: Batman's like, what if Sherlock Holmes was a, the superhero? And he already thought about that problem before he got to it. Or but something. he's way
0: ahead of the audience, whereas... Right. That's
1: right. Spider-Man's not. Yeah. Spider-Man's not. And that's... <laughs> hey. Here's a little plug for a Spider-Man movie I have a special place for <laughs> oh <no! laughs> in my heart. Why am amazing, I not surprised? <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 2. One thing that his action scenes do better than any other Spider-Man movie, just, just in this one movie, is they show him actually tactically thinking about what to do given his limitations. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually see him figuring out, shoot a web here, get here, quick grab that, it's just, he's just thinking on the ground. He's just trying to figure out how to survive and win. And that's really fun to see. I mean, other yeah, Spider-Man well, movies a, do that, a, but a, it's really fun.
3: Yeah. Anything that gives you the sense of your kid, he's not been taught how to fight. Mm-hmm. Your kid is just feels this responsibility to throw himself into these situations. And so, okay, well, now I got to figure it out. Now I got to figure it out. Now I got to figure it out. That's cool. That's fun.
2: Yeah,
0: it's really cool. And he has quips and he uses them strategically to distract his enemies. He's always got his patter. And that felt really new and fresh. I mean, now we're so used to the Marvel formula. This became the Marvel formula, which we've seen in all the movies. Mm-hmm. All these guys, they got jokes. <laughs> they got quips. That's, mar- mm-hmm. that's just Marvel. But especially in 1960, after the darkness of Batman and the stoicism of Superman, to just feel like this guy kind of has to use his mind to, in a way that kids can relate to, high school banter like how, how would I take out a bully well if I'm any good probably with my mouth is as much how you defuse a bully as with your fists particularly if you're a person that reads comic books
3: and and he's still mm-hmm. going to be like swinging through the city on the way to do something worried about whether or not he's going to be able to get his homework done on time or yeah whether or not... to
0: deliver that pizza to make some extra change and... <laughs> yeah
3: or he had to run out on on Mary Jane and had to make another excuse. Is she going to buy it? Like, what am I going to tell her when I get back or when I show up late?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: The, That's fun. The symbiote has started to alter my personality. and I've, <laughs> I've slicked my hair down. <laughs> <and> I'm doing, <laughs> doing crazy dances. Adopted a black emo outfit. Oh. <laughs> Things we can all relate to. So 19- Amazing Spider-Man, the, the series is launched in 1963. Instant hit. Kids love it. The animated show, which has birthed a thousand memes, comes out in 67 and is really dorky and stupid, but kids love that. And then Spider-Man just becomes one of the legacy Marvel products. But what you have to realize is that Marvel was a dippy publisher of comic books for kids, and comic books have not always had the cultural cachet that they have now. I mean, even by the late 80s, we had graphic novels, sequential art. They didn't have any of that back then. They just had these dumb 12-cent comic books that nobody took that seriously. So Marvel's had a lot of ups and downs as a company, and they have sold off a lot of their product as a result. And they actually sold the rights to the cinematic Spider-Man in 1985 to Canon films, which B-movie fans are fans of Canon films because they made a bunch of crappy Chuck Norris and just bad Rambo ripoff kind of, or, or Death, Death Wish Part 4, those kinds of things that people like tend to come out of Canon. So it's not like they sold it to Paramount or 20th Century Fox or something. They sold, sold it to this B-movie producer studio, which will show you how little cachet Spider-Man as an intellectual property and Marvel as a company had in 1985. Marvel actually went bankrupt in 1996. I I was getting ahead of myself. Basically, the rights to Spider-Man get sold to this movie company and then they bounce around and the comics continue to be some of the most successful comics, but it's not enough to actually keep Marvel. I mean, kids love them, but it doesn't actually keep Marvel afloat. And so, The Spider-Man rights bounce around. There's all kinds of fun stories you can read about almost Spider-Man movies and rejected Spider-Man movies. James Cameron famously wrote in the 80s, a gritty, foul-mouthed, violent Spider-Man that you can find the script to, which is not one that we'll be performing on Patreon. (laughs) Spider-Man's saying the F word and killing people violently and stuff like that. I don't know why they thought that this was Hmm. a good idea. <laughs> but the property bounces around hollywood gets sold to this company ends up at that company and the legal web basically boils down to <laughs> I see
1: what oh. you did
3: there <laughs> Hi, you're welcome you. you're welcome thank you
0: what can i say except you're welcome to mgm and to columbia and mgm claims that they have the movie rights columbia claims that they have the character rights <laughs>
3: <laughs> Whatever that means. Neither of you can do anything.
0: Well, but this is really this is really fun and this is something that I didn't know until I started researching for this episode. So, what happened was James Bond had similarly bounced around and been divided up and what happened is both MGM and Columbia ended up with half of Spider-Man and half of James Bond and instead of and so technically probably they could have both made James Bond and they could have both made Spider Man and they could have canceled each other out or just seen who won or they could have fought it out in court. But instead, what they did is trade. MGM got the full rights to James Bond. I mean, there's a whole story there. Basically, Ian Fleming had wrote a screenplay with a guy who, and that guy had created Blofeld and a bunch of James Bond things that we associate. And those rights had gone somewhere while the James (laughs) Bond books had gone. This is just how all these stories end up working. But MGM and Columbia trade. Columbia gets full Spider-Man and MGM gets full James Bond and that is in yeah, yeah, that is in the late 90s. So that is what leads directly into Columbia, which is a subsidiary of Sony. I know everybody's fan- fascinated by this producing the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. So thank you James Bond. He helped us <laughs>
3: Best thing he ever did.
0: Best thing he ever <laughs> did. Helped us navigate that web of, of lies. I mean, you should realize this is, this is the kind of thing that influences all your favorite franchises. I guess Spider-Man actually is a pretty famous one because we just had that legal battle between Sony, and Sony Sony and Disney. And what's happened is that the rights have just... So when Marvel sold the rights, they retained the rights to the comic book and to the merchandise. But then Sony ends up with the movie rights, which means Sony can make movies, but then they can't sell merch. They can't sell merch. And merch is where the money is. And so there's just been all these back and forth deals. And it's nice that they were able to make it work and have been con- continually able to make it work for the MCU. But basically, Sony's deal with this is this is a really important part of Spider-Man lore. And it explains why we've had so many Spider-Man movies and explains it, to some degree where Spider-Verse comes from. Sony's deal when they bought the Spider-Man rights from Marvel in the 90s was, you have to share such and such amount of profits and you have to make a Spider-Man movie every five years. If you do not do that, the rights revert to Marvel. And to this day, if Sony ever just couldn't get their act together and failed to make a Spider-Man movie in five years, Marvel, which is now owned by Disney, would get it back. So Disney would love nothing more than for Marvel to just drop the ball. For Sony to drop the ball. For, for Sony to drop the ball. It's actually what happened, uh, I think we talked about this on a Star Wars episode, with the action figures for Star, for Star Wars. Hasbro, I think it was, or one of those companies, owned, had the best deal ever. And then they let it lapse. And then George Lucas came back and destroyed them, made them pay through the nose. (laughs) (laughs) Simply because they didn't produce a toy in time or do whatever that, you know, renew the rights, whatever it was.
3: Whatever the the fine print was, George knew it. But this means,
0: oh... Sam Raimi, you can't get your act together in time to do Spider Man four. We got to reboot it. Let's get Mark Webb and Gar- Andrew Garfield to come in and make some Spider Man movies. They may not even be that good, but we are going to keep this thing going. Oh, the Garfield Spider Man's fizzled. People don't like it. Ah, let's do an animated. Let's do a Spider Verse. Ah, let's do this. They have to keep making Spider. You will see Spider Man movies every five years until the end of the time, or Sony loses. <laughs>
3: It has to. It, it doesn't have to have Spider-Man in it. Though. That was my question. It can be in the... Venom? Like Morbius? Venom counts, right?
0: That is a great question that I don't know the answer mm. to. I know that they have the rights to... I know that Sony actually owned the rights to a number of characters and a number of them actually did lapse. Like they lost Punisher for this reason. They lost Ghost Rider for this reason. Those things actually... Blade maybe was similar. Those uh-huh. things have... Actually, gone back to Marvel, even though we all remember the wonderful era when Sony was pumping out Punisher and uh, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider movies, movies with Nick Cage. Yes. So I'm not sure how Venom interacts that, with that, but I guess we can talk very briefly about the Spider Man cinematic efforts. You got your 2002's Sam Raimi Spider Man movie, huge hit, first movie to ever make 100 million. In its first weekend, which now with COVID sounds really special. Before COVID, by the time COVID hit, was nothing. But it was the first one to do it, and people have mixed feelings on that movie. We will litigate it if we ever come to. If we ever, we got a Patreon reward level for that. I think it's.
3: I don't remember what it is, but it's it's what follows. So we pair Richard Donner's Superman with Tim Burton's Batman. Then we turn around and pair. Nolan's Batman and Raimi's Spider Man just as the evolution of the hero of the next step forward. Right. And Raimi's Spider Man was a huge step forward. Yeah. It was. Innovative. Yeah. Changed game.
1: Had one of the best trailers ever. I watched that trailer probably 50 times. Now, do
3: you
0: mean the teaser with the Twin Towers that they had to pull?
1: That was okay. No, I mean the actual regular trailer.
0: If people don't remember, in 2002, well, in two thousand and one, they were advertising a movie. The first ad, yeah, which was yeah. huge, because again, people love Spider Man. So the the ad was just cops rob a bank, they get into a helicopter, the helicopter takes off, and then it gets caught in a web between the two towers. The two towers. A really cool mini film. Yeah, it was great. And then they had to pull it because, you know, September eleven, September 11. 2001. Yeah, thanks a lot, terrorists. So. Yeah, but I don't actually remember the proper trailer. You're saying it was, it was awesome?
1: It just did a really good, like it pulled all the best images, the most colorful, tight little bits of mm-hmm. the movie, and it, it used this pumping, there, there's, like a, there's like a famous album of instrumental, pumping instrumental music that was used for a lot of trailers in the era. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me how I know this. I might have watched a lot of trailers. I might have listened to said pumping album. But anyway, that's what it did.
0: Well, I didn't even pretty love cool. Spider-Man or the movie, but I think I must have seen that movie like 7 times in the theaters cuz that was just the era where I was seeing movies every weekend and there was a 2 dollar theater in our town and it's just like it's a pretty iconic movie from my early teenage years or whatever that would have been and everybody was referencing the kiss. It's got the famous upside down mm-hmm. kiss with Kirsten Dunst and and it's got with great power comes great responsibility. I think our generation Millennials, whatever we are, probably got a lot of their. If you're not a big comic book guy, you probably got most of your Spider-Man lore from that movie. Yep. yep. And MTV Movie Awards did their parody of the kiss, and these, uh, these are all things that I remember. 2004 Spider-Man Two rocks the world. It's one. Of, it is definitively probably the best superhero movie ever made, and in, in my humble opinion, if not the best, then. One of the best. It's just yep. tip top terrific. To Doc Ock, Aunt May, great love story. Kirsten Dunst at her most fetching. that love story
3: between Doc Ock and Do-
0: yeah. Doc <laughs> Ma- Ock, Aunt May at her most fetching <laughs> <laughs> upside down kiss in the rain. And then a com- constant thread of the next era of Spider Man. The studio starts uh, noting everything to death and they say, We got to have Venom. People love Venom. Sam Raimi. Much too much of a classicist to like the dorky modern Venom crap, but he goes ahead and put Venom in him because it's what the kids want, and uh, just doesn't have time to make a good Spider-Man three. And I've actually never seen that one, but I've certainly oh, seen man. seen really? all the outtakes. So and, much fun, yeah.
1: It's huh. a really fun movie. Really troubled I production. Really haven't
0: seen it. Yeah, I, I just I can't believe I haven't seen it either. That's, that's it weird. Is. It is weird. I don't know what I was doing that year, 2007. What have you done
3: since? Why haven't you gone back and filled that hole?
0: You know, it's one of those (laughs) things. Avatar was actually like this for me. Once you've missed the moment, who cares?
3: Well, yeah, I never saw Avatar, but.
1: I've seen Avatar. It stinks. I
0: finally caught up with it like a year ago or something.
1: You mean Cameron's Avatar? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Avatar, the last Airbender.
3: <laughs> that is what my mind. I to. like Avatar, but I don't like Cameron's Avatar. No, I've seen Cameron's Avatar.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to hear. I, I thought I was the only one that had waited that long for Cameron's Avatar. As Sam Raimi wanted to make Spider-Man four. He felt so burdened to make it great to make up for Spider-Man three that he could just his narrative is he could never figure out how to do it, and he literally just could not do it in time because the studio said we have to put out another Spider-Man movie. We've got this five-year five window. So Mark Webb's Spider-Man comes along in 2012. And then part two, Ben's favorite movie of all time, Amazing Spider-Man 2, comes out in 2014. Woo-hoo. And... Uh, it was good enough to kill it. Yep. Those, it mov- those movies suffer from the, a lot of curse <sighs> of the studio mandate. We got to get this in. We got... This is the era. This no kidding. 2012 is two years after Iron Man. It's around the time that Avengers is hitting... Oh, we have to do shared universe. Everybody wants to do a shared universe, and that's what kills that series. Is they're so desperately trying to set up the Sinister Six and get take the shortest path to Venom and everything like that, and it's just too much, too flaming much flaming garbage. We will one day litigate if there are uh, redeeming qualities
1: as eh, Mister Souls are claims. Eh, I claim it, not for the first one though.
0: They are made by Mark Webb though, who was born apparently to direct Spider-Man movies. Anyway. Then uh, we're now into recent history that most people probably remember. As Sony and Marvel start negotiating, they get Spider-Man into Civil War at the last minute, and Tom Holland, is big hit, does some really well-received Spider-Man movies. He is this generation's Spider-Man, and everybody loves him, and Marvel, or not Marvel and some Disney. Some people love to
3: hate him or try to find reasons to.
0: Yeah, some, <laughs> some people Amazing Spider-Man 2 fans, most of them.
3: In any case, I did not love, I
0: barely remember Tom Holland's most recent movie. I don't think I loved it, but I did like that first Tom Holland movie quite a bit. And I just like Tom Holland. He's a charming Spider-Man. Yeah.
3: In he general. Is. Homecoming was good. Is that the first one? That's yeah, the yeah. first one. That's, That's the Michael Keaton one. one. Yeah, Michael Keaton, which, you know, put a guy like Michael Keaton opposite Tom Holland. That's
1: Michael Keaton's awesome. He's pretty great. He's pretty great. He's, and he's
0: finally decided, I'm just an angry, bitter person, and I'm going to play those kinds of roles. <laughs> Why try to be likable? Not that I ever tried that hard. Just a, two more observations about Spider Man. I would, I would argue the second best Rogue's Gallery after Bat. I mean, Batman's Rogue's Gallery, far and away the best. No argument. You'd be insane to try and argue otherwise. Batman has Joker to fit. Yeah, I don't have to rehearse it for you people. You know Batman's Rogue Gallery. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, Spider Man. I mean, could you name a better one than Spider-Man after, you know, taking Batman out of the equation? I mean, now we kind of have mm. Thanos and the, yeah, a bunch of people we'd never heard of from the Marvel.
1: Spider-Man's villains are more personal, though, to him. They're just more interesting that way. That's, I mean, they, they go along with this theme, you know. Friends of the family turned bad. Yeah, I always appreciated Spider-
3: great. Who is? Lex Luthor.
1: Yeah, Lex Lut- I think Superman might be
0: the other argument, but th- that's basically just predicated on Lex Luthor's great. You got nobody else in your
1: in your deck. That's right. It's not, deck. it's not as Brainiac. Yay. <laughs> what's what's the name of the 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 inverse Superman, the Bizarro, Yeah. Abomination or whatever.
3: I mean Superman's
0: oh, yeah. they've all got good if 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 a comic book has lasted a long time, it's probably because it has a good rogues gallery. Well,
3: Abomination's but, Marvel. That's yeah, it's the, not Abomination.
1: That's the inverse it's, Hulk. it's Doomsday doomsday that's what i was right no i think spider-man spider-man has a really fun rogues gallery
0: well i've always appreciated it because i think batman has a great line in psychopaths and i love the psychopathic rogues gallery of batman so much fun but the broken misunderstood spider-man villain is a really fun contrast to that you know (laughs) the person who's just and sam raimi it's one of the reasons i think i do like his spider-man movies the best because he always leaned into Osborne wanted to do something good, but the military and then his son was I'm
3: something of a scientist myself. Right. (laughs) And
1: and then he also is kind of a psychopath. Right. Sort of a sad psychopath. Like you feel sorry for him. Yeah, and Doc Ock
3: he just wanted to get the
1: (laughs) (laughs) control the sun. (laughs) He just wanted to control the sun, you know. (laughs) Doc Ock is not as sympathetic at the comics. He's Mm. more just like a a jerk. Yeah, kind of a hulking maniac.
0: But 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 Doc Ock in the movies, you know, in you know, he, he sacrifices himself at the end, if I'm remembering oh, yeah, correctly. that was and, very, very sweet. And then Sandman, he just wants forgiveness for, for trying to watch out for his daughter or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I think is probably worth saying about Spider-Man is, short of Lois Lane, who I've never liked, Spider-Man has far and away the most interesting and attractive, especially to young teenage boys, uh, love interest. Mary Jane is a great fantasy figure, and I think you can't overstate her importance to the whole legacy of Spider-Man.
1: Gwen Stacy was before her. Yeah, there,
0: Gwen Stacy's death is a iconic thing, and Gwen Stacy as a character is is good. But I just think MJ, who I was reading, was based on Anne Margaret's appearance in Bye Bye Birdie, which is a very quintessential figure of attraction from the 1960s, if I can put it that way. Yeah, the, Mini skirt and uh, sweater and long hair and stuff like that, red hair. I don't know. MJ's just, she taps into that, the girl that we all wanted in high school and never thought we were cool enough to get kind of thing. But then he gets her. I mean, could you name a better love interest? Or could you name a love interest outside of Lois Lane? There's a few that we know from the movies. Rachel Dawes, you know, but uh, <laughs> 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 that great character. Pepper Potts. That's... Pepper Potts, yeah, sure. I mean, I like Pepper but in terms of just the iconography and the feeling and the the way that this taps into desires mj is really really at the top of the list i think i mean
3: yeah i mean people you have a problem with mj just from a story perspective because what she becomes a model and an actress and Mm -hmm. so she doesn't she's never really in a position to play more than the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. So you, I think you get a lot of that sort of thing rehearsed and repeated, but you know, Rami did a good job of making her the girl next door with the troubled yeah. home mm-hmm. life and it brings depth and interest.
2: Yeah. It's the
3: right move. All kinds of ways, but just from a, but yeah, it's, it's really sweet. It's really cool. And, and, and they've done so much work on that, that, you know, when we get to talk about our movie, all we need to know is that Peter B. Parker blew it with her. And mm-hmm.
4: it actually we has, understand everything. Like no, there's a whole lot of resonance. with... Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, as far as
0: the girlfriend...
3: Well, and, and you just get to fill in a whole lot. She wanted to have kids. Mm. Well, we all understand why Peter Part B. Parker wouldn't want to have kids mm-hmm. and would be afraid of that. And we all understand why that would end it with Peter and Mary Jane in... alternate universe
4: yeah
0: Mm -hmm. well and stan lee always said that gwen stacy was actually supposed to be the girl for peter but once mj showed up mj was actually intentionally written to be kind of spunky and annoying and she was the girl that was gonna aunt may was gonna set peter up with and be like you should like this mj he's like no i like gwen she's my dream girl but mj just has such a personality that the way stan lee describes it she just took over the second that she showed up her famous Mm -hmm. the first panel of mj you can you can find it easily is her standing in the doorway you know all ready for a blind date and her famous line is face it tiger you just hit the jackpot (laughs) yeah and
3: and tiger is uh is just a fun little uh, catchphrase that stuck yeah and well and they channel so much and, and
0: Raimi's movies did this well, and Spider-Man has done this well historically. They channel so much teenage angst, you know, just the the dream girl that I pine over, and I know I'd never be good enough for her, because I'm just some dork. But hey, if I have spider powers, and I'm saving her from alleyway assault guys and then we're kissing upside down and all this kind of stuff i guess there's a chance i guess there's a chance yeah (laughs) (laughs) being able to thread that needle of like she's this object of desire that's completely out of my league but now
3: she's not she's out of peter's league but nobody's spider man's -Man's league
0: that's right that's right she'll be caught in his web (laughs) um and then, Spider, you know, Stan Lee, for as long as he was running things, just really leaned into the soap opera of it in a way that was pretty smart. She's going to become an actress. They're going to have their ups and downs. They're going to get married, you know. Spider-Man had a life outside of being Spider-Man that you could really just follow over the years. And it was good. Okay, we're almost to the movie, folks. Just a little bit more context that you'll be pleased to have. Spider-Ham appeared in a one-shot humor comic book called Marvel Tales, starring Peter Porker. The Spectacular Spider-Ham, this was released in November of 1983. Just a one-shot that they pulled in for this, this thing. Marvel Noir is a line that came out in 2009. It's actually not very old, but it was just, what if the Marvel's heroes were in a black and white noir kind of thing and didn't have any powers? So that's where the Nicolas Cage character comes from. Miles Morales comes from the Obama era. There's just no other way to think about it. He's very designed. Like like mm-hmm. you could you can find the interview where the president of Marvel said Axel Alonzo was the editor-in-chief then. Yeah, we were about to elect a black president, so we thought uh, we should probably find one of our legacy characters to update. And that's exactly what they did. Miles Morales is a nothing more than that. But he's pretty beloved, and I think this movie did him a favor i mean i mean he'll always be a great spider-man now whatever his yep origins were but his origins were pretty i don't know i don't know if i want to say cynical but it was calculated it was calculated yeah it wasn't like somebody was burning up with the desire as a white guy that wrote miles morales brian michael bendis If people know who that is pretty famous comic book writer
1: pretty great comic book writer Yeah, he's in he's in the movie is he well, he's in when, when uh, Miles first opens up his phone. There's some. It, B. Bendis is the first person oh, on his yeah. contact list. Yeah, of course, he is. Details all over the place. Lots of details. All right. One last thing that we have
0: to talk about, which is Lord and Miller. What are they, What's their, their first names? Philip Lord, Lord and Christopher Miller. Yeah. So these guys are interesting. They are a couple of uber nerds who grew up on things like Star Wars. Imagine that. And met at Dartmouth. So they are a couple of Ivy leaguers, and they got interested in animation, started making animation films at Dartmouth and abandoning their other studies. I think Lord Andor Miller was a political science major or something at Dartmouth. So they both get interested in animation. And then this crazy, crazy, like one of those unbelievable Hollywood stories happens. Also going to Dartmouth at that time is Eric Eisner. Eric Eisner is the son of the CEO of – Walt Disney Corporation, Mm -hmm. a little company, little startup you might have heard of. At the time, Eric Eisner gets the alumni magazine for Dartmouth. The alumni magazine features these two crazy kids who are making animated movies, you know, some of their featured alumni to watch or something like that. Hmm. That winds up like just at Michael Eisner's house. Michael Eisner sees it. He's like, oh, yeah, well, okay, I'm going to put this on the slush pile it passes through several hands at Disney and just basically ends up with a random producer. Who's like, yeah, let's cut those guys a check and give them a development deal. So they're just like these kids. I mean, nerdy, well-connected. Ivy Uh, leaguers. Yeah. They, they start it's Dartmouth. I mean, they're not just, you know, it's it's not not nobody.
3: They're not nobodies. They're, They had certain advantages in life.
0: Well, it's important to realize that your cultural elites who tell you your stories, they want to pretend like they're Jimmy Stewart from Philadelphia story, but actually they're all Catherine
4: Hepburn. (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh, Lord and Miller are Tracy Lords. They are not whatever Jimmy Stewart's name is in that movie. And they are certainly not Ruth Hussey. They are a couple of rich brats. So they get this Disney deal. They pitch a thousand things to Disney. None of it really gets picked up. Eventually, they they just get put on cloudy with a chance of meatballs. I've never seen that, but apparently they knock get out of the
1: park. I have. It's is it, fun. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah, it's I, funny.
3: I've not watched it, but my kids love it.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a lot of fun. It's quite funny.
3: They go from that
0: to a really dead alley of a of an assignment, which is the twenty one Jump Street movie, and they have a lot of fun with that and make a, a crude vulgar movie that I don't recommend but in their typical style they put a lot more creativity into it than I think anyone was expecting. Then they get Lego Movie and I I personally I haven't seen it for a while, maybe my opinion would change. I don't know where I'd put it, but I think it might be their masterpiece. It's It's great. It's just a great movie. And coming off of 22 Jump Street and Lego Movie, they get handed Spider-Verse and by this time they are this power producing writing team of uber nerds
3: where does solo fit in
0: uh solo would be in development at the same time as spider-verse solo it would be their primary like they're (laughs) on on the set with solo
1: they they were actually directing right they did not
0: actually direct spider-verse they're just kind of the producers and writers and yeah over our creative architects but it's not the same time commitment as solo would have been was their famous lost I mean, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows, but they directed three quarters of that movie and had a whole script and everything that basically got scrapped in favor of visionary genius Ron Howard's exciting vision for Solo. Ben, what is your impression of that robot again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) so glad we saw this movie (laughs) (laughs) something like that
0: yes i'm always glad to hear uh, glad to have been have an opportunity to dust off his impression of that great star wars uh Uh, character the thing that they apparently learned on cloudy with a chance of meatballs apparently that was just a super nerdy joke fest which obviously these guys are very good at They, they are that classic ivy league educated a uh, combination of stupid and smart that uh, is informed Simpsons, which mostly comes out of Harvard alums. There's a kind of uh, sense of humor that a sophisticated, nerdy idiot that writes for student magazines and at an Ivy League university has. It's called, that's Conan I- O'Brien, oh, that's The Simpsons, that's Lord and Miller. But what they learned on Cloudy with a chance of meatballs is, oh, our movies have to have a heart or people won't care. And Cause they wrote the script that was hilarious and it just didn't land. So they went back, rewrote it, made cloudy with the chance of meatballs. And so their stated formula is there always has to be a big heart and there has to be a story that people can really connect to. And there has to be loads of jokes and it has to have all the weird rough edges and eccentricities that other movies kind of shave off. You know, we're going to see if we can get those through, but we're going to build a great story engine a very conventional Hollywood story engine to get all that other stuff through. And and they're they're great at it. They're geniuses at it. I mean, they're just there's no two ways about that. And so that's what they do with Spider Verse. The look of the movie is CGI painted over. If you wonder where that particular look comes from, it's like we're gonna do a CGI movie like Frozen or a Pixar movie, but then we're going to digitally, albeit digitally, but we're going to basically paint over every frame. So it has this really neat comic book look and I, get, I think it took them something like two years to create a minute of footage just to show off what they were thinking. they claim
3: they claim that their they they say their whole design was frame by frame mm-hmm. pause the movie at any moment and it'll look like a comic book panel yeah wow and i've put it to the test some mm-hmm. I, I haven't found a frame that doesn't it's beautiful it's a beautifully designed like every frame is beautiful yeah no it's it's really cool it, yeah. It, next time you watch it, if you if you're not just watching it, even if you're just watching it for fun, just randomly pause it a couple of times and see if you can catch it in a weird spot or a transition where it doesn't look like a beautiful comic book panel. Mm-hmm. But I've I, I've done quite a bit of it just to to test and see drop needles here and there and it holds up pretty well huh. in my in my experience so far. I'm sure I'm sure that there's there have to be some places where that doesn't work, but
0: it, either way, it's a gorgeously designed movie. I mean, there's nothing like yeah. it, and just the just the visual style alone is almost unique. Yeah, wonderful makes,
3: break from Pixar, the Pixarification of all animation. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, we're
0: totally getting away from the plastic look of a Frozen or a Tangled or something like that. It's just, yep. yeah, it's just nice to see somebody, anybody, do something different, something that doesn't feel like it's the, in the Disney style. So, yeah.
3: And if I can conceit. Hey, we're doing a comic book character. How about we make it look and feel like a comic book?
0: Well, and one fun thing to notice if I'm, I'm sure everybody's noticed this, but if you happen to have not noticed it, all the sort of little comic booky things, all the sound effects and speech bubbles and stuff, that doesn't actually start until he gets bitten. Yep. By yeah. <laughs> it suddenly turns into a comic book it's much really more. Fun. Once, yeah. It's it's really fun. All right, so there's all the context that you never thought you wanted, and maybe you still don't think you wanted, but...
3: His music evolves, too. Does it? His theme evolves and starts to incorporate things as he comes together. So, like, by, by the end, they've used aerosol spray sounds for, like, you know... The hi hat sounds or whatever—that's mm. awesome. So that's really cool. He's huh? Incorporating Uncle Aaron and incorporating some dad stuff, some like siren type huh. things, and all make up his 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 music. When Miles is doing his thing, that's cool. It's a lot of just like really cool little little things like that.
0: Well, I feel like animation is the last bastion of the classic studio system that I'm more and us not having. You know, where a bunch of collaborators get together and make the best possible product and they actually have to write a script beforehand and they make sure that that script is rings every ounce of entertainment and has little things like setups and payoffs and you sort of have to do that in animation unless you're making shark tail jake's about to kill a fly get him i'll get this one no i won't get that one got that one. yay all right it's a spider-man review and our <laughs> studio is no joke
3: infested with flies it just started like for some reason they're like literally five on that
1: panel over there they're always on it, that but, panel over there they like it
3: yeah they, well it's because it's so cold down here
1: hmm. and this the it captures the heat from that lamp yep
3: i'm
0: sure you're right okay let's talk about this movie everybody has all the context so yeah what do you guys i mean we'll go through it but what what do you guys Overarching thoughts about this movie? I think we've already kind of said them, but is there anything to add?
3: It's so rewatchable for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, the soundtrack is awesome. Soundtrack is awesome. Mm -hmm. The visuals are beautiful. The story is great. It's just easy to put that movie on and enjoy it and rewatch it and have a lot of fun with it. It's great for kids. Kids love it. So,
0: yeah, it's not oppressively violent or, you know, anything like that. I think this movie, I would compare this movie, I'm still not prepared at this point in the podcast to admit that this is an all-time classic, but I will compare it to Casablanca and Wizard of Oz and things like that. And the comparison point is those movies create a complete dream space. Like you're, you're suddenly in Rick's and Rick isn't like any other bar. It's just this bar that exists in our collective imagination. Or you're in Oz and you're suddenly like, there's no place like it, but every place that you've ever dreamed of is like it. This movie, you really kind of, it has that magical feeling like you fell asleep reading an omnibus of, you know, Spider Man comics and suddenly you're just in this weird, heightened world that only a movie can really evoke for you. I mean, this is a movie, more than any Spider Man movie and more than a lot of movies, is doing things that only cinema can do in terms of just bringing a dream. To life, and so for that alone, I mean, it's it's a special movie. There are qualities it has that are more special than other Spider-Man movies. Just to take mm-hmm. the obvious points of comparison,
1: mm-hmm. I don't know. Ben, your thoughts? Yeah, it's it is unique. I think it's rewatchable. I've only I've only seen it twice, so I think Jake has the advantage of having seen it a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> or pieces of it a lot, at least.
3: Yeah, I've seen. I've probably seen it four or five times all the way through Mm -hmm. since it came out in what year? 18. 18. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I I definitely like it. I I, I enjoyed it a lot more this time without the aforementioned distractions of not yet being married to my wife. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We both enjoyed it more and kind of absorbed it more. I feel like we'd both like watching it again.
0: Yeah. I'll watch this movie again, which is
1: pretty high praise.
0: Yeah. Coming from me. I really like, I mean, is it bad to say I like the urban feeling of it? I like the, No, I, I do too. I oh yeah. That. It's great. The the music, the, the New York
3: of it all, it does a better job of in the Heights than in the Heights. That was capturing. exactly what I thought
0: was, yeah. oh man, I wish in the Heights captured this kind of a fantasy dream version of New urban, New, you know, yeah. the streets and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. And in four seconds, they set up all the pressures of his dad and his mom and being at this, being chosen by lottery for this prep school. Like all the stuff that Stupid in the Heights is going to spend time bemoaning, mm-hmm. this movie does in about three minutes. Yep. Better.
1: And with better music. Sorry, Lynn Manuel. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It does. It does all that stuff so, so fast and so well mm-hmm. that it, it, the only other movie like it is The Incredibles in that sense, in yes. terms of world building, establishing stakes, characters, just everything. This movie's doing that. Yep.
0: Yeah. And the Incredibles, I don't know, that would be an obvious comparison point, And I'm not sure which one I would say is better. Probably ultimately the Incredibles just cause it's tells a more wholesome story or something.
3: But uh, see, I feel like I can argue against that, but, but I'm not going to argue that the Incredibles isn't the superior movie.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we should have that argument. Maybe we should have that argument a little bit later when we're, hmm. when we're finally coming to, when we come to the final litigation. But this movie, I love that it's drawing on so many modern things, that it's drawing on urban art and on, y- you know.
3: Urban art, urban style, and urban music.
0: Yeah. You know, as much fun as I love the, the retro vibe of The Incredibles, and I, I, I vibe on retro stuff. I love retro stuff, but it's fun to see something that's so thoroughly nowtro. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fresh. It, it feels really fresh. And as boring, middle-aged white people, I, I think it gets a little juice from being about young black Latino people, you know, I mean, I, you can't, mm-hmm. same, same reason that we as boring suburban kids loved Will Smith so much, as lame as it is to maybe look back on it now. He just, he felt a little edgy or more fun or something a little different than what yeah. we were
3: used to. Miles is a hero. I can hundred percent get behind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's great. Okay, well, let's talk through this movie, and we'll see where we get with it. So you start with the first of many cute meta introduction, character, intro. Yep.
3: We get Peter Parker.
0: Peter Parker. Peter A. Parker? is, mm-hmm. what, is what is his name? No, it's just name? Peter Parker. Just Peter Parker.
3: Yep. The one and only Spider-Man.
0: Right. And we're immediately in this world of kinetically flashing images and associations and... He's going to say, my name is Peter Parker, and we're going to see a little name tag of, <laughs> it says, my name is mm-hmm. Peter Parker. It's, we're, we're using the cinematic language of a YouTube video or a television commercial or a Guy Ritchie movie mm-hmm. to use Ben's favorite uh, director and the most moral man that uh, Ben thinks that everyone should watch all of his movies.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. It's- I just finished. I watched, I've watched two Guy Ritchie movies in the last week. Do tell. I rewatched, we rewatched the Robert Dunney Jr. Sherlock Holmes. They're fun. Yeah,
1: they're fun. They're a lot of fun.
0: A little less uh, naked Stephen Fry in the first, the second one would go a long way towards. A oh, little uh, less
3: naked Stephen man. Fry would go a long way. And there are just some things that that are played out, but, or have been done or, and redone and overdone. But,
0: but man, the set pieces in those movies are a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, they're a lot of fun. The
0: Gatling Gun in the second one, it's, the famous it's genius Naked Brawl. Predictive brawl in the first one that everybody lost. Yeah. Uh, can't can't argue with it. It's fun. Yep. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that has nothing to do with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, a movie that uses a similar kinetic style to stitch together a whole bunch of images and frames and associations and Spider-Man merchandise and crummy popsicles. (laughs) That popsicle really makes me laugh out loud, by the way. That's that's one of my favorite (laughs) jokes (laughs) in the the movie. They are both introducing you to the characters and...
3: I ate that popsicle. I've had that popsicle. Yeah, I I, I feel
0: like I've had that popsicle too. It doesn't actually (laughs) come packaged to look as crappy
3: as... (laughs) But it quickly does... It it can. Some of them can come out looking pretty weird. Mm -hmm. That's... I mean, I've... I've, (laughs) I don't know that that's what, how I would have drawn it but <laughs> from memory, but yeah, they were getting at something. They were getting at something.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's great. Anything else to say about uh, this, that intro or just the kinetic, cut-together, modern style of this movie?
1: Could you have gotten away with that? Could, could you have gotten away with this movie 10 years ago? What I mean is the style, the storytelling language. I think audiences are always
0: adapting and getting faster and getting more hip, even subconsciously, to cinematic language. I've observed my brain catch up. I think one of the reasons that I didn't like the Bourne movies when they first came out was because they seemed too fast for me. And they do do not seem as fast anymore. And I think it's Mm -mm. because I remember Michael Bay's early movies, like The Rock, seemed like they were cut together really fast just because every three or four seconds he'll go to another cut. Now my brain is just more used to it. Because I've seen more fast cut. Uh, I think a lot of the language of YouTube and YouTube videos and mm-hmm. TikTok and things like yeah, that has TikTok. gone into our brains where it's just like, I'm going to cut together two random images. And
3: they'll... your brain has to learn to make the connection I want it to make.
0: Right. And that, by the way, if I can be a super nerd, is called the Kulashov effect from the Soviet uh, Russian film theorist in the 1920s. Who did the famous experiment that we've talked about before, where you take the same image of Jake looking bored? You put it together with a dead dog on the highway and a pretty girl. You know, first you show Jake, then you show the dead dog on the highway. The audience is going to assume one thing about Jake. You show Jake cut together with a pretty girl. Oh, Jake likes the girl. You show him with the dead dog. Oh, Jake's disgusted or he's weird or something. It is the mental phenomenon by which uh people derive meaning by two images put together which is something that cinema has only begun to figure out how to exploit and spider-verse is on the cutting edge of using all the tricks that the internet has given us basically to say and people like guy Ritchie are too like at least in his more what do you want to say his more experimental films his Mm -hmm. early films uh, saying, what can we get away with in terms of subliminal information and quick information and still shots and quick shots and cuts? How fast can we give the audience information and how fast will they absorb it? And to answer your question, Ben, was that your question? I feel yeah. like my brain has caught up. So I don't know that I'm necessarily ready for this movie when I'm a young person, but I feel like today's young people wouldn't have any problem with it at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember Armageddon, for example, feeling very much like an assault on the senses just because it's cut together so quick. The, the, the images are, I don't know if you guys are big Armageddon fans, but.
3: I've seen it a couple times. It's like
0: <laughs> one or two, one or two, seen it once and one I or two it. second per frame. And it just feels like such an assault. Even when it's like Ben Affleck is, is kissing, uh, what's her face? That lame girl that always. Arwen. Arwen, yeah. She, she likes to lie on her belly and look pensive in movies. Even when they're doing that scene. Liv Tyler. Yeah, Liv Tyler, the famous animal cracker scene. It's still going to be this fast cutting. And it's just like, ah! Maybe I was more aware of it because I was a, a cinema buff. But
1: uh, Well, Michael Bay also hates his audience. And the, his storytelling style is somehow expressing his hatred for you as a person. Mm-hmm. But this movie doesn't hate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spider-Verse loves you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and wants you to... Want you to really enjoy the story? Yeah. Yeah.
3: My my answer to could it have been made ten years ago is to what? Who cares? It was made when it could be made, and I don't think that everybody is ready for it now, and will be moving forward.
0: It could not have been made in this sense. the The language I don't think had developed at that point because we didn't have TikTok and YouTube and some of those some of just the ways that commercial television is cut together now Mm -hmm. come from those media and of course you can find some random experimental art film from 19 the 1960s or something like that but in terms of the mainstream i just don't think filmmakers actually it's not so much what the audience was ready for i just don't think the vocabulary had gone mainstream yet just just all the quick associative cutting so i don't know what's your answer to the question ben
1: i don't know i think i was just asking it because i wondered what did i wonder exactly i wondered if people would have been able been able and ready to track i mean i think that's what you were trying to answer nathan i, I think the large answer to your
0: question is no you put this in front of grandma uh, 50 years ago she's not sure. ready and my evidence for that is the famous movie that i think we watched on the name called the big sleep where i've said it this many times but humphrey bogart calls the gangster says he's coming to his house right. hangs up the no first he picks up the phone he Asks for the operator. First, he
3: asks the bartender where, where the, the phone, phone is. is. Yeah.
0: He walks over to the phone. He picks up the phone. He calls the operator. He asks the operator for the gangster's number. The operator connects him. We cut to the gangster. He picks up the phone. Hey, hello. Hi, this is uh, Philip Marlowe. I'm coming <laughs> to your house, you jerk. Okay, goodbye. Hangs up. Philip Marlowe walks out of the bar, Says, uh, makes eyes with the, the girls who gives him his coat, gets into his uh, car, starts his car, drives. Drives up to the, pulls up to the mansion. There's just so much shoe leather.
4: <laughs>
0: and, you know, Guy Ritchie would do that in one, you know, Spider-Verse would be like, I'm going there, and we'd be there, you know. Yeah, of yeah. course. Oh, you're here? The bad guy, we just cut together two.
3: Yeah, and and you needed to get from The Big Sleep to Mos Eisley. Mm-hmm. Uh, never will you end. Ah, yes. Now we've come to Gondor, City of Kings.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the stages of development (laughs) the stages of development yep i
0: mean i'm glad i i I, shoe leather can be pretty boring you watch the first dr no the first james bond movie it's like james bond spends so much time getting on the plane to the airport this is supposed to be like the king of like quips and violence and women and everything and it's like why
3: are we watching him get on an airplane who cares because in 1960 whatever Uh, Not that many people had been on an airplane.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that we're, the audience wasn't dumb, but I think that they would have been, what, why is he in Hawaii now? Or why is he like, how did he get there? He Mm -hmm. he got on an airplane. Did he really get there if he
3: didn't show us?
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I think our brains are adapting and uh, it's simultaneously enthralling and uh, exciting and we can litigate that some other time, but no, I don't think that this, I don't think you put this movie in front of. A 1930s audience, for example. Sure.
1: Well, I was only asking originally about 10 years ago, just Mm -hmm. because I I feel like, my actually, I think my instinctive answer is this movie is classy enough in the way it does that stuff that could have gotten away with it 10 years ago.
0: It would have felt much more uh, edgy, edgy outro kind of thing. But
1: I think people would have followed it. It's just good
0: storytelling. Well, we had Guy Ritchie 10 years ago doing similar Eh, things and other filmmakers, indie filmmakers doing these kind of quick associative cuts. It's awesome. And it's well done. And they hold on everything just long enough. It's not Michael Bay just throwing, no. every, throwing a bunch of footage in a blender. No. Well, and also they are so keyed into the fact that everybody knows the story. Everybody right. knows these images. You show, we literally have an image of Uncle Ben walking into the light and everybody mm-hmm. just knows, oh yeah, he died. <laughs> like like yep. You have a bunch of things that wouldn't make sense. You have an inversion where it looks like MJ is ups, upside down, but actually it's Peter who's upside down for whatever dorky reason. Not only are they referring to things, but they're making jokes and inversions mm-hmm. of things. They're, they're yeah. assuming a heck of a lot of That's right. shared cultural knowledge. And that is, that is something that this movie does really well. It both rewards you for knowing your pop culture and also tells a story that I think you can probably understand and follow pretty well, even if, you're not, even if this is your first Spider-Man movie. But it certainly gains weight and meaning if you, if you know the franchise so we meet miles he's on his computer he's singing he's singing yeah rap Man, rap does a lot for this movie i mean i know that's like a,
3: he's actually singing sunflower yeah so it's he's actually what does that it's consider a little pop song
0: pop yeah okay well man pop whatever it is hip-hop hip-hop music with propulsive beats really help this movie and we're going to say goodbye to mom. We're going to run into... Mm-hmm. We're going to see our first... I love the way that they conceptualize the city. It does not feel like any New York I've ever been in or experienced. It's, it's much more of a neon anime-influenced kind of almost Japanese wonderland, but... Meets Sesame Street. Meets Sesame Street meets... And it's great. It's great. But we're going to run into dad and... He's gonna be a bit of a disciplinarian, but
3: caught him putting his stickers on things.
0: Caught him putting his stickers on things, and uh, I don't know what you guys think about the
3: introduction to dad. It's awesome. That's
0: great.
1: Yep, it really is. They don't demean the dad, (laughs) which you're just waiting for them, but they don't do it.
0: No, you're pretty thoroughly in the dad's court. Like I don't think. Oh yeah, I don't think you feel bad for Miles too much. Like Miles
3: doesn't want to go to the new school and. place where he's going to flourish and he's smart and he can do awesome things and he's got to say i love you back Mm -hmm.
0: yeah this is one of the only movies where i've ever thought
3: huh i bet a lot of
0: uh dads out there could learn a thing or two from from this dad right just just (laughs) teach your kid whatever make him say i love you that's that's, that's, that's this kid needs yeah and maybe a little bit of you don't have a choice you know every, (laughs) every once in a while but you know yeah this is this is just a good dad.
1: Yeah. Un- much better than the dad in the next Lord and Miller animated joint, Miller- Mitchell's versus Machines. Mitchell's versus Machines. Which they yeah. produced. Isn't yeah. he
0: just kind of a beta that needs to learn to love his.
1: He just needs to give his daughter approval and support to go do whatever she wants and be a lesbian. That's a lesson from that one. Well, so does this dad,
0: but we'll get to that, right? Because I'm not sure that this dad tracks all the way through, but mm-hmm. and that might be one of my. Crucial flaws with the movie. <laughs> oh, and Ben's crucial flaw is that he bangs cups of water against his microphone. Probably
1: the biggest crucial flaw. So Miles
0: goes to his prep school. We meet Gwanda. <laughs> Have the meet cute. He's, he's failing. We've got the sardonic teacher. Do they come in any other flavor in movies? I think teachers are Probably always not. either authoritarian or... Likeable and sardonic, or inspirational and Robin Williamsy. Those are the three kinds of teachers. <laughs> there's totalitarian jerks. There's sardonic. Well, hello, Mr. Morales. Thank you. You know, <laughs> did you think you'd take a seat? Uh, it was that kind of teacher? To be fair, I don't know how many more te- kinds of teachers there are. And well, in real know, life, in a movie
3: that's introducing characters and trying to move the plot along while framing it as happening in a school, you just throw a type out there. Yeah. You can't fault fault it too much for throwing a type at it.
0: Yeah. No, this movie does a good job with that sort of thing. And I like, the, I like the little plot. Again, it does in the heights better. You know, the idea that he's going to intentionally throw the test and get a 0%, where statistically he'd get a 50% and he knows that because he's good at math. It's all really nice. And then we meet Uncle Aaron and we have that whole scene. Yep. And that is some elegant character work that's done really quickly. Uncle Aaron has to show up, make an impression, mm-hmm. establish a relationship, be somebody that you care about.
1: Someone that you like. And then
0: turn on you and be scary and all that. And you, you have to, you, they're leaning on Uncle Aaron for a lot and they are spending very little time with him. But it's, it's really just that one shot. It's, it's where he's teaching him how to say hey. Right all the all the little emotions and things that are mm-hmm. animated into their faces, the performance that those two animated characters give. Yeah. You know, the kind of the interplay of all the different things that Miles is feeling, and all the different things that Aaron wants to communicate, but also can't quite communicate, but all, it's it's really great. And then you have, I don't know, I guess, is there anything else to say about Uncle Aaron? I don't
3: think so. Not yet?
0: No, yeah, there'll be more to say. Those
3: You know, pretty classic uncle, you know, cool uncle role. Yeah, and it
0: definitely illustrates, you know, Miles is caught between two worlds and all this kind of thing. Then we have our first big action scene. We meet Chris Pine's Spider-Man in action. And...
1: Well, that's after you got the spray painting, you got him getting bit by the spider. Yeah. But he goes back, then he sneaks out again. He, He goes back... So, first... He starts to get his spider powers. That's
3: right. And then he goes back to find the spider and That's see right. if the spider is normal. And then we get
1: Chris That's Pine. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: That's all really great. I mean, the action scenes in this thing really pop. Like all the, when, what's the guy, what's, what's Uncle Aaron's name when he turns into Spawn? Prowler. Prowler. The Prowler. Yeah. When he comes after Miles the first time. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's really scary. It's great. And it has a kind of dynamic action quality to it that i would i could only compare to like mad max fury road or you know like the tip top of what's being done in action these days this movie manages to evoke
3: yeah we kill spider-man first and
0: yes the tragic end of spider-man Meet Kingpin, who's way more stylized than anyone else in the movie, which I kind of love. He's just a monster. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's great. His voicing is, is awesome.
0: Well, I love, I, I always love Leo Schreiber. He's a great, uh, yeah. I like it when he shows up in anything. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and he's great as Kingpin. Yeah. And I mean, is, is there a dud in this cast? Everybody's, no, everybody's totally awesome. Yeah.
1: No, Kingpin is like the most powerful villain physically for some reason. It's mm-hmm. more than, I don't know, more indestructible than anyone else. In the little bit of time we get with Chris Pine's
3: Spider-Man, I think you love him and wish you had a movie with Chris Pine's Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, you do. Right. You wish he wasn't dead. Yeah.
3: It makes you sad that he died. Yeah. Yeah. And that's quite a feat in itself. It is. And
0: it's it's they know where they can lean on Spider-Man lore, too. Like, oh, we love Spider-Man. We know who this guy is. This is the Spider-Man we recognize.
3: Yeah. All they did was say, you know the feelings of love you have for Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. This is that Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah, but you're going to have to watch him die in the
1: first act of this movie. Right. It's fun how fast they scale up. Oh, yeah, he's fighting someone. It's a gigantic version of the Green Goblin, apparently. And then, oh, it's the end of the world. Oh, he's about to die. Oh, they killed him. Right. They just, whoop,
3: push the stakes on the Miles is alone with new powers and a device, and he's got to figure out how to save the day. He promised.
0: Right. Well, and having Green Goblin and Doc Ock show up as sub-villains is such a great gauntlet throwdown. Like, oh, yeah. We're not building up to our second movie where we're going to meet Doc Ock. These these guys are just like the sub-villains. They and, like, work
1: for Kingpin. Yeah.
0: Our, our movie has so much going on that we can afford to throw those characters Here, away. you can
1: also have Prowler and Scorpion and Tombstone. Yeah. And it's a decision that we made. It's not the
3: studio saying throw in as much as many characters as possible for merchandising reasons or Mm -hmm. whatever else no
0: they, they all work perfectly and do their job and yeah yeah it's great i think the next big thing to talk about is peter b parker right i mean we're gonna have some sadness and everything but sure basically we're getting to peter b parker and what do you guys think about his introduction and his conception as a character and the peter b parker of it all
1: it's fun. I mean, the comics went through a long time of being depressing and gritty where Peter and MJ's marriage wasn't working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they were drifting apart. And Spider Man was getting old and grizzled and, you know, not sure what to do with himself. They they have to reset Spider-Man every so often to keep that dynamic from bogging down the whole franchise. So they just called upon that part of Spider-Man mm-hmm. <laughs> and made him fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's where I start to have questions. And and I think most of the questions have good answers, but it's where I start to question the movie a little bit. I mean, it's where I feel like, you know, I don't know. I'm tired of the Marvel movie trope of the not morally superior mentor character, you know, the Tony Stark of it all, or the Dumbledore of it all, or the... Chris Pine in Tomorrow, War of It All, to take a Pratt. reference that I, Chris Pratt, sorry. And, okay, yeah. Uh, as the dad, or or Sky Luke in Last Jedi, you know, just this, uh, our mentors are losers kind of thing, which seems to be one of the main things that Hollywood is, you know, that our collective consciousness or our, our dream factory is trying to deal with for us. This movie does great with that, but I, I'm not sure I love it as a concept, maybe, or at least, I at least want to question think, it.
3: Uh, well, I think it's a meta commentary on that. I don't think at the end of the day, I mean, I guess I'm going to throw my cards on the table here. Yeah, At the end of the day, I think this movie is a meta commentary on, on the loser mentor, mm-hmm. on the what I really need to do is find a family of outsider weirdos like me and we can be a family together. What I really need to do is so whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy or whether it's The Loser Mentor or whatever, Found Family is what the they, the Found they call Family it, yeah. thing, whatever. All of they all fail. Mm-hmm. They all fail Miles and give up on him and don't have what it takes. And the only person that can actually help Miles put it all together is his dad.
0: Wow, you came prepared. That's great.
4: That's that
3: great. that is what happens. That is the story that they're telling. And so you have Peter B. Parker. He can't, make, Miles, he can't make Miles turn the corner. Mm. And the found family can't make Miles turn the corner. And they fight about whether or not they believe in him. And he they, fights about whether or not he believes in himself. And they say, we don't. We're going to tie you to a chair. <laughs> and they tie him to a chair and leave him mm-hmm. for his own good. Because they can't do it. They can't pull it off. And dad shows up. And dad says, I love you and I'm proud of you. And dad's showing up and saying, I love you and I'm proud of you. And I don't want what happened with me and my brother to happen between us, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's all Miles needs. Dad can do it. Nobody else can. And
0: from there on out, what's up danger?
3: Yeah. And I don't think it feels arbitrary. I think it feels inevitable. I think it feels set up from the very beginning. I think it feels like they're just dunking on everybody else out there who think they know what makes...
0: So they actually agree with me. They're saying Dumbledore was lame. Loser mentors are lame. Found family is great, but also lame. Found
3: family is great, but also lame. But also family. Loser mentors. Well, Uncle Aaron couldn't be it. Uncle Aaron sucked. Peter B. Parker couldn't be it. He sucked. He had to learn some things too, Mm -hmm. right? What he learned is, hey, you know, maybe I shouldn't be a cynical jerk, especially when it comes to kids. Miles is pretty great. Maybe I should go make things right with MJ and have a baby. And maybe I I wouldn't suck so bad as a dad and maybe we could figure out how to make it work. But, so yeah, I think that's why even, you know, when we were talking off mic about, you know, it's kind of meta, I think that might be a strike against it. I think it's just sort of just say, looking at the landscape of all superhero movies for the last 20, 30 years and all the tropes they use and turning it right back into a father-son story. And, I mean, that's... 100% hundred percent what I love about it and what I think is great, like if i I would never do this, but if I were to take any one of my kids and just repeat the words of the speech, mm-hmm. I see this spark in you, and it's why I push you. I know every one of my kids would just break down into tears mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> every one of them because they all feel the pressure, everybody feels the pressure of dad pushing them. Mm-hmm. what they're all wondering and wanting and waiting to feel is the I'm proud of you and I love you and the spark's yours I can't do it for you whatever you're gonna be it's gonna be great but that's it that was what Miles needed in the movie that's what they set up that's what they wanted to be the point point. and maybe they didn't sell it enough I've, I've I found it really frustrating when you just came out of the movie com- feeling to me like you completely missed what the thing right. was and I, I think I've, I've watched it enough now that it's like it's pretty like I could see where it would feel arbitrary,
0: but... I mean, you could argue. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll even improve your point. You could argue if it feels arbitrary, it's because they believe in uh, family and uh, conservative values and all that sort of thing, whatever you want to call it, even more than Nathan does. Because they're like, uh, yeah, dad said the thing. Who cares? We don't have to waste any more shoe leather on this, narratively <laughs> is it speaking. is that obvious? Like- <laughs> it's, it's just obvious. Just like we obviously said uh, Peter B. Parker... Uh boy, I should have kids now. I mean, <laughs> what else do
3: you need, Nathan? <laughs> I,
0: I I doff my urban spider hoodie to that take. That's a great take. I uh, I'm gonna come back to it when we get to uh, that scene. That scene, because I think it is the crucial scene. <laughs> but but I think that's a fantastic take, and you might be right. I mean that it is it is all about what the leap of faith is that makes or breaks this movie's greatness.
3: Yeah. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter for Miles that Peter B. Parker does or doesn't believe in him. It doesn't matter if his found family does or doesn't believe in him. And it doesn't even matter if he believes in himself. Mm -hmm. What mattered was that his dad did. That's my take. Cause he came, he was defeated. Like, Like, he didn't believe in himself. He was defeated. And dad on the strength of his speech alone, changed it, turned the tables. Well, it, that that's the leap of faith.
0: I forced out your Spider Ace a little bit early there, but it's <laughs> great. Yeah, that's great. That was
3: pretty great. That's
0: I don't know. If, we should probably just come back to it, right? Do you have anything you want to say, Ben?
1: No, I, I'm just I'm just processing. Where I think that's we'll keep, right or not. Keep processing. Yeah, we'll, keep we'll get
3: processing. there. So let's. Uh, the, I think the movie loves Peter B. Parker. I think it loves the found family. I think it it's a masterstroke in all of the things that Lord and Miller always do. They find the tropes, they pull them out, they show you what they are, mm-hmm. they show you the weaknesses of them, but they have affection for them. Mm-hmm. And then they find a way to come back to the heart of the story. And the Lego movie does the exact same thing. Yeah. And it's a father-son story at the end of the day. We pulled out all the tropes and all the things in all of our superhero movies. And at the end of the day, the only reason that boy's down there fantasizing about superheroes and some normie being a superhero chosen one is because he just wants his dad to play with him.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's what makes the Lego movie great.
3: And powerful and potent and tear-jerking even to think about. And that's, that's I think, that same heart and understanding the heart of a little boy is what's, I,
1: I think, actually at the heart of Spider-Verse. Hmm.
0: The heart of the Spider-Verse. Yeah,
1: we could, that's what we can name this well, it, it is Well, it is, you have to say Peter B. Parker may be a lame mentor, but he's a really great lame mentor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they love him. he's like the best lame mentor you could ask for. You
0: know? Yeah, and, and the movie acknowledges exactly where his he's lame and has him grow past it in in ways that are both charming and moral and everything that you could ask for. He's right. a much better loser mentor than uh, Dumbledore, who J.K. Rowling is not aware is a loser men- mentor. <laughs> that's <right.
2: laughs> no, that's right, <laughs> For example,
0: or than many of the Marvel dads. Or in in some ways, he lands better even than Tony Stark. Although I like the Tony stuff and you know the later spider you know tom holland spider-man and uh, iron the final you know the tony becomes a dad arc in the marvel you know phases is good but this is this is probably the best version of yeah of loser certainly better than luke skywalker from the last jedi as far as our mentors let us down and suck
1: (laughs) well you don't like him well, I Ryan Johnson don't like him either. That's <laughs> why I like him. <laughs> what I really like is rubbing your nose in it, right? and now he's dead. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh man, what a jerk!
0: He's a jerk. Well, that's that's a great read. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Um, okay, so we're gonna go to the lab. We're gonna meet Doc Ock. We're gonna have a lot of great jokes.
4: He's still a bagel.
0: Uh, <laughs> is, is, selecting a bagel <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's pretty great all of the scientists have laser gun briefcases
0: yeah. <laughs> it's pretty really great well just the fact that one woman yells he stole a bagel or he took a bagel is so my speed of humor i, I love that joke i just and i the, could i could eat it i could hug it it's, yeah what a great joke it is a great joke
1: uh, and then he throws it and it says bagel as it bounces off
0: jake is dying mm. literally that joke is killing jake yep yeah, the lab scene's a lot of fun. The reveal of uh, Mrs. Doc Ock is a lot of fun. Played by uh, our favorite Marvel villain. It was Agatha it was all Agatha. along. Yep. yep. <laughs> oh man, too bad she doesn't make that winky meme face somewhere <laughs> in there. We're gonna. It
3: would. She would have if. If it came, yeah. <clears throat> I wish I had a cup of
0: water. This is yours, maybe that this
1: fly infested. Uh... No, that was.
3: Oh, I, I was didn't maybe... have anything today.
0: You want? Should we take a, a walk, fly, <clears throat> fly killing and water break real quick? Uh, got it. Good. Yeah. Get it. Got it. Good. All right. We're gonna meet Squ- uh, Spider Gwen, and I will be an anti feminist troll here in two seconds. But I don't know. You guys have any thoughts about <laughs>
3: Spider Gwen? <laughs> <laughs> eh, if you're gonna do it. Yeah, she's good. She, I mean, if you're going to do, fine, it, she's great. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine way to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, here's my anti-feminist uh, trolling. As we record this, we're getting all those stories about the uh, women who uh, joined. The, <laughs> this is some hardcore anti-feminist trolling, but uh, for this particular movie. But <laughs> we're getting all the stories as we as we record this. I'll date this podcast if you're listening to it in the future.
3: About the U.S. just pulled out of Afghanistan. Now all the Afghani women fighters who signed up. For the military under the assumption that they would be fighting behind US soldiers are wigged out.
4: hmm
0: And uh, yeah, afraid that they're going to be uh, killed and raped. And I, as, as things like that happen in the real world, I find it less and less exciting to watch female action heroes lie to women about their capabilities. And these are the real world consequences and these movies are garbage and hollywood is uh cesspool and spider-verse is part of it and yep yuck and spider gwen doesn't get off the hook just because she's a pretty well done version of that sort of thing and pretty sweet version of that sort of thing get bored saying it because every third movie we have to say it but Mm. i think i sort of think we should at least spend 30 seconds every third movie saying it because it's worth saying if you're the kind of person who's like, well, she's not a feminist. She just happened to got, get bit by a spider. Then go listen to maybe our Wonder Woman uh, yeah. episodes to hear us talk about uh, moral grammar and lots of things that I'm sure we'll talk about again. We don't have yep. to spend it, a lot of time on it today, but I thought we should spend 30 seconds. Yes. Okay. All right. We're, we're to Aunt May's secret lab and all the other spider people, I guess. That's, that's what the next big highlight of the movie yeah and the deftness of the types that they choose i mean it's just you could almost imagine that what's the word they did like a study and figured out this is what because you've got a looney tunes character for little kids you've got an anime (laughs) character for dorky teenagers and you've got like a film noir character voiced
1: by nicholas none other than
0: voiced by the great nicholas cage (laughs)
1: doing an awesome job like if you like irony yeah yeah if you like
0: (laughs) and it's awesome and nicholas here's cage.
3: nicholas cage playing with a rubik's cube
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. black and white yeah and and it's fantastic all those characters are fun i don't know what else to say about them yeah.
2: though.
3: <laughs> <laughs> spider ham spider hams yep. can't believe they pulled that off but they pulled it off they made it work <laughs> and
0: uh, you know say what you will about john mulaney he's a funny guy Okay, I don't. I think we're actually back. We're we're back to the moment of Aunt May is
3: the lamest character in the entire movie. Yeah, I I don't
0: kind of like everybody being in on the joke. I think if every, I think it actually takes away from it when absolutely everybody in the movie is in on the joke. Like, Mm -hmm. let's have a few more characters like the dad who aren't in on the joke. Yeah, and I think it would be that much stronger. Mm -hmm. I get that they wanted to do something different because Aunt May is such a boring character that's just the same every time. But
3: in this universe, Aunt May is like part of the team and has it together and is sort of like what took you so long yeah she's alfred right yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) slash q slash yeah it's lame
0: it's lame well and i just you know this is another kind of uh, feminist talking point that i like to come back to a lot but if you remove all every potential victim from a story if everybody's kind of powered up and awesome i think it takes away from the drama and the suspense a little bit you know could we have Aunt May actually be in a little danger? That might not hurt, hurt the storytelling here. Jake just dropped his wallet from about maybe a quarter of a foot and onto a fly. Because these flies are fat and lazy.
3: And it's cold down here.
0: And it's cold down here. And they have walked through poison to even make it this far. Apparently very ineffective. Ineffective <laughs> poison. It's like the father themes in Spider-Verse of poison. No, that's not true. Okay. So... We get to the, we're, we are basically two, I mean, there's other stuff that happens, Uncle Aaron dies, this is a pretty great action scene.
1: I always wonder, I'm sorry to be such a nerd, but you know, Prowler seems pretty tough. He has like his own handmade suit of armor, he's an engineer, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And getting shot in the back is enough to, that's, it just seems like he's been shot at a lot and he would be able to survive something like that. Mm-hmm.
3: He also, does Miles catch him or does he... F- he, no, My, Miles does catch him. He doesn't fall off the top. He of
1: doesn't it. fall off the roof. He falls maybe back on the roof and then Miles swings off with him. So I was, I thought it seems like just, just, it's hard to believe because you set up the prowler as such a, such a, what's, what's the word that, what's the PG word? Anyway, such a cool, powerful villain.
0: I'm busy trying to think what the R rated word that you were going he for is. It just means badass. That's oh, all oh, yeah. I, just, I just didn't want to say that. <coughs> I always feel like we should just probably grandfather that word in because I don't know what to replace it with and it's not that bad. But um, anyway, anyway, bad butt just doesn't do the same.
1: It really uh, doesn't (laughs) work, does it?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure there's
1: an explanation.
0: Yeah. Maybe maybe Uncle Aaron will be back in the sequel and he tricked us all. It's the kind of thing Uncle Aaron would do, come to think of it.
1: Maybe Kingpin knows the ins and outs of. Kingpin's probably firing armor piercing rounds. That's my explanation, actually. Yeah, yeah like he's gonna and have he the
3: know, nicest point gun. The, I, our, 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 Although, if he can pull a handgun from that distance and hit a pinpoint shot, then he's. Well, but he's, you know, a Marvel supervillain. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, I give it. I give it to you. I just was like, eh. Oh well. So much for your awesome suit of armor and your your deadly prowess, brawler. Yep. One star. This movie sucks. Yep. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's what you're trying to say. <laughs>
0: Okay, so the found family no longer trusts old Miles. They they tie him to his chair. Dad comes and gives this the the crucial crucial speech. And man, what do I think about this scene? The crucial dad speech going into the leap of faith. I will say, I don't think. I mean, you have been a. You're son is 14 13 something like 13. that okay so you yeah. are going to be keyed into some of these things in a way that neither me or ben are going to be hmm. on the other hand i think all three of us are pretty keyed into Daddy's daddy issues. type stuff <laughs> yeah. that being said i've watched this movie twice and it's never read that way for me and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that i just simply do not buy that the dad has anything to apologize for he doesn't seem that bad even by movie standards like he doesn't seem that hard. I mean, okay. Uh, yeah, I get it. If my parents well, said, he, he, made me say, I love you.
3: I, I don't think he's actually apologizing. Mm-hmm. I think he doesn't understand what's going on. He knows he doesn't understand what's going on with his son. He doesn't know why he, Miles isn't taking his calls. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of a, I don't know or understand why we're drifting apart. I don't know why you're not taking my calls or why you're not answering me. I don't. I don't want this to be the way it is. I know I do, probably don't always say the right things or do the things that you want me to do. But if this is about me pushing you, I push you because I think you're special. Mm-hmm. And you know, his brother just died. Right. And so he's just gonna go to. The, he's just gonna go to the dorm room. His son hasn't been taking his calls. He doesn't know what's going on. He's just r- reaching out and trying to maintain a connection that he feels like he's losing. Rewatch it. I think we should just rewatch that scene right now and maybe pause and come back to it. Hmm. But I, I think that's all that's happening here. This is a dad who's afraid his son is drifting away and maybe he's pushed him away by pushing him too hard and pushing him to go to this school he doesn't want to go to and doesn't understand why he's not taking his calls. But now his brother's died and he's afraid.
0: Well, I just pulled up dad scene here. We'll put it on pause, folks, so you don't have to listen to us.
3: Okay, we're back. We just watched the scene. Yeah. It,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I think it just reads as a dad who lost the brother that he's not been talking to for years and feels growing distance between himself and his son desperately showing up on his son's doorstep and just saying, just trying to mm-hmm. reconnect and wanting to, his son to know that he loves him and is proud of him and he doesn't want that. Whatever happened with him and Aaron, he doesn't want it to happen with him. And he doesn't know how to tell Miles yet that Aaron's dead.
0: I like that reading and I'd like to go there with you. And I think to some extent I do. I mean, I think that they probably, you know, they wouldn't disagree with you if, if they were here. I think where I get hung up is they also wouldn't disagree with me if I said, we're doing the same thing that Mitchell's and the machines did. We're doing the same thing that Luca did. We're doing the same thing that Tomorrow War did. We're doing the same thing that Tony Stark at the end of Tom Hollywood Spider-Man needed to do, which is just say, actually dad's job is to see that you're special and
1: And just to give get out of your way. support.
0: Yeah, give give
1: support.
4: Hmm.
0: And when they're explicitly doing the same thing with Mitchell's in the machines, where it is a lesbian, you know, like dad needs to learn to support her dreams. And when so much of Hollywood <clears throat> I don't know. I feel bad stomping on the the sweetness of your point, and I think I think they'd agree with both of us, though. Actually, like, and so I think it is, even if it's ninety seven percent what you're saying, it's got that three percent other thing. The you know, it's it's the line you don't have to say it back. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a setup where I did a little discipline, which taught, I think all of our minds. <clears throat> we don't feel like the dad went too far or anything, like. Yeah, no. That's just good dadding right there. Yeah, But the movie's going to say... Now, that's also a setup for another scene where he hugs him and says, I love you at the end. Like, actually, right. Miles mm-hmm. does want his dad to say, I love you, and to make him mm-hmm. say it. So, it's all complicated, and I think there's a lot of good moral things mixed up. But at the end of the day, I think their sensibilities are just muddled <coughs> enough, just muted enough, just...
3: I think that's fair. I, I I also think. I mean, you can read it that the dad's just muddled. I, I, the movie doesn't apologize for dad saying you have to say it back. The movie thinks that's actually pretty great and pretty fun and pretty funny and so so fun and awesome that they put it in the trailer to sell the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And the movie wants Miles to come back at the end and say I love you. I think. I think dad. I think dad can be muddled. Enough to feel like, man, the school and all the pressure and all the things, even, you know, the making him say, I, I love you as he's going into a new school. With all, think of if you had been the dad and you'd done the awesome dad thing. And he, but he's walking into a new school with a bunch of new friends and new people. And he's what, 14 years old or 15 or 13 or something like that. Well, I can certainly put myself in Miles' shoes and hate my dad. Yeah. At that yeah. moment. And you can imagine yourself as a dad later, imagining Miles hating you for it and feeling like you pushed it too far because you were just, like, there's just a lot. Fatherhood is complicated and muddled. Mm -hmm. And so maybe Lord and Miller are muddled. Maybe the dad's muddled. Maybe it's all muddled, but.
0: Well, and there's a lot that they get and there's a lot that's good. And I'm not, I don't want to take away from any of that. I just want to say they did not, for me at least, in two watchings and two readings of this film now, they did not successfully close the gate to just a standard sort of self empowerment. He just needs to take a leap of faith, and his dad is basically telling him, "You've got the spark, take the leap of faith yep and i especially on this viewing, I don't think I realize how brilliant that scene is. I mean, what a enthralling moment of cinema when he does the same boring thing that every Spider-Man does and they find a new way to visualize Mm -hmm. it and they have a fantastic song and it's just that upside down shot and just like the glory of that. And it is the thing you were talking about earlier, the thing you were comparing to the Lego movie. It's what Lord and Miller do best. They've spent so much time mocking Spider-Man and mocking the tropes and mocking the conventions that they've got us to sort of relax And lower our guard, and then that allows them to give it back to us, reborn, resurrected, in a new profound, Mm -hmm. cool way. And Lord and Miller are really, really, really smart about that kind of thing. And plugged into if we just mock it, if we just kit it enough to let to let people relax, we can then just give them back basically the force will be with you, the, the hero's journey. Like if if we just kid mm-hmm. the hero's journey enough, we can give them a hero's journey and they'll be excited about it again. Yep. It won't feel like Ray and Star Wars just doing the same old thing. We're gonna split that balance. You know, it's the kind of thing that Ryan Johnson wishes he could have done with Last mm-hmm. Jedi. It's the kind of thing Kathleen Kenny didn't have the imagination or courage to do with that whole trilogy. How can we Successfully kill this thing such that it will be reborn for everybody? How can we ask the right questions of Star Wars and then answer them with Star
1: Wars is awesome? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um,
0: it's what Favreau, I think, does a pretty good job of in Mandalorian. Like, let's ask the right questions, like, kid the right things. And then at the end of the day, it's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Yay! But this, I think, even more than that, and, and even trickier than that, because you don't have that Luke Skywalker button to push. You just, you're just giving us the same spider-man learns his power scene that Mm -hmm. we've been stuck with since 1962 with the comics since uh, toby Maguire's badly cgi would version you know we saw it with andrew garfield again we've seen so many the superhero finally comes into his own scenes yep and we're just sick of them and they they found a way to to do it so i think it's i think it's brilliant I mean, I love that scene. I've watched that scene several times, just in isolation. Like, I've just pulled it up on YouTube since watching the movie because I just, I just want to live there. Like it's just, you know, it's like certain action beats from Fury Road or things from Spielberg or stuff that I just want to go back because I love cinema. And so I'm just like, this is exciting. This is like a great little moment of of movie making, and I just, I just want to bask in it for a minute. So I love that scene, and yet. To me, it feels like it's more about itself than anything else. Like it doesn't quite connect to anything more profound than we love Spider Man, than we love the hero's journey, than we love these kinds of stories. And it does that so well that in and of itself, it feels kind of, you know, pop culturally profound. But man, I wish that for me, it successfully connected that last little chord to the dad scene so that but it could th- so that it could don't,
3: re- d- don't they echo i see this spark in you while he's doing it like don't they actually repeat they do that? yeah
0: yeah like, and to me do? that feels like we know we didn't quite nail it so let's try and you know we didn't we didn't show him so let's tell him this is the connection this is the point point. and i'm like no but you didn't quite do it not for me. You didn't quite. It sounds like they did for you and that's that's great. I wish I could be you. I mean, honestly, I I don't want to be a cynic over here who can't just love the movie. I'd rather love the movie cuz I kind of do love the movie. But at the end of the day, as glorious as that scene is and it's I don't think on the first viewing, I was I realized how glorious it is. I mean, I'm I you know, I just spoke of it in rapturous terms that are, probably sound ridiculous to some of our listeners who don't like movies the way that I do. But I really, really, really like it, and I really, really, really want to like it even more. And I wish it was connected for me. You know, maybe this is just subjective, but
3: and and maybe no, I I don't think it's purely subjective. I do think it it doesn't necessarily connect those dots. It doesn't
0: quite hit a bullseye in the way that for, yeah you want it to. And maybe it's well, a it's problem of just, ambition. Like they 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 wanted to. You know, they could have just made it Star Wars. You know, they didn't have to try and connect it to a dad thing at all. It could have just been a leap of faith, whatever that is. You know, it could have just been believe in yourself. But instead, they want to. Yeah, they they want to supercharge it.
3: Yeah, they wanted to supercharge it with the dad story. Like they could have told the Peter B. Parker says it's a leap of faith, Miles, and never had dad show back up. Right. And never laid bothered trying to lay in the dad stuff earlier on or the bookend. But this is the one Spider-Man and the one superhero that we have that is actually, he's not fueled by guilt. Mm -hmm. He's not fueled, you know, he's not poor, you know, he doesn't derive his power from his found family or his anything. He's actually like everybody leaves and goes home at the end and he's cool. He doesn't need Peter B. Parker to stick around to be his mentor. He's got a mom and a dad Mm -hmm. and he's pretty whole actually. Yeah. I really like that. And, I, yeah.
0: I love that reading. I mean, I, you know, I wish that was just naturally the reading that I came away with. I, I really like that. And I'm, I'm actually intrigued to watch the movie again now and see if it just plays, you know, just having that in my head helps. I assume it probably will.
3: I mean, if you think of it from a, a story writer's perspective, which I know you, you think of everything from a story writer's perspective, but you have to admit like just structurally, like we got the dad thing at the beginning, the dad thing at the heart Mm. after they leave him tied up and go off. And then we come back to dad at the end and you don't need to bookend things with dad and you don't need dad to be in the center unless that's the story that you're telling. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true.
3: You'd write it differently if you were telling a different.
0: I, yeah, I think that's true. You know, one other thing that might weaken it a little bit and might drive me towards my inevitable conclusions is as much as I love what's happening sort of on a big scale there, metatextually, I like what's happening. I don't love textually what's happening, which is such a pretentious way of just saying, I don't buy that he doesn't just say,
2: mm,
3: mm, mm, or
0: right. it feels like such a contrived bang scenario. The, bang his head
3: on the door, dad let me, you know, enough to get dad concerned enough to bust through the door and actually untie him.
0: And then give him a hug and say, right. I really do. You, no, I, I think that that's
3: right. The I fact that that's, it's, that the fact that he just sits there and listens,
0: and it feels so staged for effect, you know, and it's beautifully staged for effect. The, the frame the you pointed part. out, the beautiful comic book frame where you see through the wall and you have them both on either side, it's beautiful, but it feels more like it's uh, is operating really well on the level of symbol and kind of poorly on the level of this is what our characters would actually do in this moment.
3: I I actually bought it from Miles. And Miles is the the way to sell it, like the argument to make is Miles has been wanting to talk to his dad about this stuff this whole time. He's pulled up his dad on his phone, started to call him, said Mm -hmm. no, picked the phone up, started to answer. He's looking everywhere else possible, and their dad is, and he's just going to listen. But then it's going to change everything for him. Right.
1: I mean, it's, I also think Miles is feeling ashamed of himself for not being able to do it. Mm. and he feels defeated and you actually don't want to admit further defeat from the person you to the person you most respect when you feel total defeat i don't know
0: yeah i mean i like that i get that i just don't think they quite land it the way that it's
3: yeah the fact that that the fact that you can ask the question Uh yeah
0: i don't like being able to ask the question yeah
3: it's a question worth considering and talking about it's yeah i think that's weak and i and i i mean i and I it think feels... there had to have been a better or stronger way to, to sell that connection, but I think they were afraid of overdoing it. And I think
0: and I like that they get they tend to go subtle where you know they tend to not overdo things. It's 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 sweet. It's nice. It, they are great storytellers, and that's one of the reasons is they trust their audience to you know as we like to say they give us two and two and let us make four instead of you know laying everything on thick. So I like that that scene is short and simple and exists kind of almost symbolically. Man, it's just that nagging 3% lack of vision for the scene or 3% lack of completion for scene for the scene.
3: You know, there's an it, here's an alt reading that makes sense of the t- maybe makes sense of the tension you feel and isn't as strong or awesome of a reading as I want it to be. But maybe the real reading is dad's the last piece
1: of the puzzle, and Miles has to put it all together. The
0: final The final family that we find of our found family is is dad kind of thing.
1: Not all, fam- not all through the lens of family, but all through the lens of self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's self-actualization. So, that's right.
3: So he takes what he's learned from Peter B. Parker and his found family. He's, he takes the best of what he could get from Uncle Aaron. That's right. And from when, Spider-Gwen,
0: from, from, from everybody. everybody.
3: And then when dad comes... In the end, you know, the, the, the logs are all there, and the fuel's all there, and we just need a spark to light it, and the spark was inside of him all along, and Dad tells him that, and then he goes and puts it all together, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and so it's actually just self-actualization, and, and Dad gets, and isn't it sweet
1: that Dad's actually a part of it, and that's
3: way lamer, and I don't, and I don't like it.
1: But that's that's actually what I buy emotionally. I mean, because I remember feeling an emotional reticence the first time I watched the movie, some of which we can attribute to my lovely wife being there before she was my wife, but the other part of which was, I really, really want to feel this, and I want this scene to make me cry, and I want Miles' journey to make me cry. I love Spider-Man. I'm into this movie. You don't have me emotionally by the end of it. So this time I was much more like, okay, And I was like, no, this was better emotionally, but it still didn't quite have me. And what you just said, you know, it's a a weird thing. Because
0: for me, it's I agree with you, but it's like it's so weird because it's not you didn't have me. It's why aren't I bawling? Why am I only a little bleary? Like, yeah, 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 I should be bawling. If you did your job here, if you really landed this, I would be bawling. Instead, I'm wiping away a couple tears, which Mm -hmm. is which you still have me. It's working. Yeah. But yeah, but not totally.
3: And I, I sort yeah, of that's yeah, I feel that, too.
0: And it doesn't this movie is in many ways genius, but it's like when you don't land that completely, what I am left with is a clever exercise in Spider-Man mythology. And what we're really saying is you need all your nerdy friends and your dad and everybody to love how much you love and we love and everybody loves Spider-Man. You know, in other words, it becomes about itself, like I was saying earlier. And maybe that's fine. I mean, we do all have this pop culture phenomenon of superheroes, of Spider-Man, of... We do have this stuff that we have to wrestle with. So even just a movie that's like, I want to say something about Spider-Man and the feelings that we put into Spider-Man. That's okay, and how and we do i
1: going to use Spider Man as a metaphor for our own self actualization. Yeah, that that
0: could be fine, but that's where I start to want to question it, and I'm not quite sure. It's it's similar to how I felt. I've since made my peace with this movie, but Rogue One was such a weird movie for me because I'm like, it's only good because we love Star Wars. This isn't these aren't characters that we can track. This isn't a world that we'd even understand. This Darth Vader scene wouldn't be cool, except. We all have this shared cultural memory and association and nostalgia, and it makes it awesome. And it makes it so great. But in and of itself as a thing, it almost doesn't exist. It's Teflon thin. And I just didn't really know how to process that. Like, shouldn't we as a society, I mean, I don't want to be all highfalutin, but it's like, shouldn't we feel something? Shouldn't we realize what we're giving up here? Like, when we're telling stories that are only about stories. Other stories. Have we actually lost our connection to what make, made the hero's journey great when we're just telling stories about other stories about the hero's journey instead of telling our own new hero's journey? Like, shouldn't we actually be processing our own dads and our own kids instead of processing the processing of the processing? Like, when did everything get so meta? And, you know, the proper response to that is, Nathan, you're the most meta person of all. You've, you've never had an experience in your life that you haven't filtered through these narratives. So why do you resent Lord and Miller doing it? And I don't. And I don't resent Rogue 1, and I don't resent any of it. I like it. I enjoy it. I think it's fun. But I do feel weird about it. And it is what may, maybe holds me back from just embracing this movie. At the end of the day, I'd rather say see Sam Raimi tell a dopey story about Peter Parker instead of seeing these guys tell a story about a story about Peter, you know, is that extra layer is something that I think I don't know how to reckon with. And I think it's worth people struggling with. Like, what are we doing as we move into this weird post-IP metatextual world where the snake is just eating its tail? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for Christians? What does that mean for anybody? What does it mean for our imaginations? Like, and I don't have any of the answers to those questions. I just feel like we shouldn't be glib in the way that we reckon with them and when we have with great power comes great responsibility the fact that lord and miller are so good at it makes me think we need to ask harder questions of them they deserve to the credit of me saying you didn't quite land that and it might throw off the whole thing where another director is just like okay whatever you didn't quite land it it's
3: fine yeah and i think i think that's fair
0: but you could have landed it
3: yeah i think i still think that my reading is actually right and that they they didn't land it but but then i just want to say like you guys were capable of landing it you you lacked either
0: the courage the moral imagination or you were just lazy and gave up too too easily like and with your kind of power i want to kind of hold you to responsible
3: yeah for sure
0: and so i'm kicking your movie out of the top superhero spot i mean that's my that's that there's your punishment like I can't give it the number one spot. Sorry. I guess it's probably still in the top five. But uh, you had a shot at the, you could have been a contender. (laughs) (laughs) You said, what's up, danger? No, you didn't say, what's up, danger? You said,
4: ah,
3: danger.
0: I don't know. This all does make me.
3: Part part of why I keep coming back. Well, why I came back while you were talking to my original take is that if we were to have my kids on, Mm -hmm. it's all about that moment with dad.
0: Yeah. And it's just,
3: and I could, I really could, I really could say, I see this spark in you and it's amazing. And they would just burst into tears. You pick a kid, I could do it. I have been asked all but asked to do it <laughs> in those words by several of them. <laughs> like they want that moment. And I get, I try to give it to them as best I can in other ways, but I'm not playing that movie part for them.
0: mm if they're ever tied up in webs, in a, then I'll do it. Then you'll do it. Yeah, probably better than that. You'll land it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm glad I embarrassed
3: you at school that one time. But also, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be too. <laughs> one day you will be.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Did did all my rambling there make sense? Like, did, was that did mostly? That,
2: yeah. <laughs> mostly? Oh, good. Okay. I think so.
0: I mean, I just think we need to ask tough questions of these movies like it doesn't mean i mean i love it's it's precisely because i like them more than most people i think you know because i actually i'm I'm like this is really good and this required a whole lot and so let's 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 what
1: would it have required to make it that much better i think what i feel like is saying like black widow which sorry it's not flattering but like (laughs) black widow this movie on some level wants to have its cake and eat it eat it too like, Black Widow wanted dads, and it wanted to smash the patriarchy. It's like, we can have both. And this movie isn't that egregious or anything like that. But I do think, yeah, we want dads. Also, we want a self-actualization story. We can have both. And so, for your kids and then you, it can be the one thing. And I can, I can feel it. You know, I, I can vibe it. Like felt more like self-actualization to me, and I wanted it to be about dad. But I can see it from your angle now. And that's mm-hmm. helpful.
0: I think that's the smartest thing anybody said in this entire podcast, actually.
1: Yeah. I don't even know that how conscious that is. I think it's that's that's what
0: I don't like. I think you just helped me put my finger on what I don't like. I don't think, you know, like Black Widow just can't have their cake and eat it too. They want to, but they're idiots. <laughs> now, Lord and yeah. Miller do yeah. have their cake and eat it too. Yes. If it was because they were more moral, than Black Widow, then I would feel good about it. But it's not because they're more moral than Black Widow, it's because they're more smart than Black Widow. It's because they know how to engineer the perfect piece of cake that you can eat too. They know how to engineer something where Jake can bring all of that dad stuff to it and it works beautifully. And where someone can bring pure I hate dad and just wanna self-actualize to it and it works beautifully. And it's an ingeniously engineered product, but as a piece of moral imagination, it is fundamentally flawed because you actually should not be able to bring both readings to it and have them both work equally well. And Lord and Miller are jerks that I think entirely know what they're doing in in making it work that way. Hmm. And I think any one of our theories that we gave to them, they'd probably agree with. Like, they all mm-hmm. work. And so, uh, this is one of the worst superhero movies. I hate it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yay.
2: <laughs>
0: no, I think it's great. I think it's great. I love this movie. I just wish it was better.
1: You wish it wasn't created, engineered to be an ambiguous piece of cake.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wish this movie wasn't engineered to be an ambiguous cake piece of cake (laughs) well and isn't that what we have to put up with all the time i mean doesn't pixar doesn't disney at their best don't like the really savvy entertainers find the way to just give everybody their cake and have it too and isn't it just kind of irritating as a christian to to not just have somebody say yeah actually we just like dads you know unambiguously
1: i mean i you're bringing to mind the good dinosaur, actually, which I hope we we talk about someday. You know, I thought you'd say that, Ben. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, here's I just set Ben up. <laughs> I teed him
1: up <laughs> for his good dinosaur riff. No, yeah. what are you gonna say? <laughs> the good dinosaur likes dads, and it, I don't. I don't. You could say it's about it's it's ambiguous in the same way, and I would say uh, no. At the end of the movie, it just leaves you feeling like. We wish dad were here. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. The good dinosaur likes dads. Marzini's moms. The women are from Venus. I'll have to see the good dinosaur. I still haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So then there's the ending of the movie. It's fun. Yay.
3: Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah. Colorful and fun. Super
0: collider. Good stuff. Battle with Kingpin. All the heroes get their chance to shine. Spider-Ham gets some big laughs. Yep. Noir spider guy, whatever his name is, takes the Rubik's Cube back. He sees his dad. I don't know. I might strengthen my dad argument by saying that last scene kind of still feels like it's relegating dad a little bit or or something. I mean, it's not like... I mean, yes, Miles wants to hug his dad, but also his dad has thoroughly learned. He just needs to put up with Spider-Man, and all his stern, conservative ideas were kind of silly. And But also, you know, it's...
1: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it wants to thread the needle. It
0: wants to thread the needle. Well, Jake, you looking up something pertinent to the discussion here?
3: I thought I might be able to find them telling us.
0: Telling them it is exactly.
3: hmm mm-hmm. I mean, I
0: bet that they... I mean, not to inoculate us against that, but I'm just not sure I would buy it if they did. I mean, yeah. I, I would... I. I They'd probably land somewhere between your reading and the Ben slightly reduced diet you're reading, but I think really my reading is what they actually intended, so. Lord and Miller, more like bored superhero killer. <laughs> one star.
1: <laughs> one star
2: out of one.
0: Well, okay. How many webs out of ten? Ten. Do you give to this movie, Ben? Eight, eight webs. I think so. One for every Spider-Man movie. How many Spider? Let's see. There's three Ooh. Ramis, two Hollands, this,
1: two Garfields,
0: and two Garfields. There's been eight.
1: There you go. All right.
0: We should reduce the number to eight. Actually, how many Spider-Man movies out of no. eight do you give to this?
1: Sp- <laughs> how many Spider-Man movies out of eight? Okay, you're, you're, you've you've thrown me off successfully. Sorry, let's stick uh, with ten. It's, so it's okay. You- no, it's 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 okay. I. Six and a half, I think.
0: Six and a half out of eight. All right, yeah. Jake. How many Spider-Man movies out of eight? Eight. Eight Spider-Man movies out of eight. I will. Oh,
1: man, maybe, I, maybe, maybe it's seven. I, I'm not, I'm not sure anymore. Now that I've, now that we've had this discussion about the text of the film, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Oh, I like it a lot. I'll give it seven.
0: To be carefully a lot wrong is the definition of decadence, according to Chesterton. So I think I have to give this one Spider-Man movie out of eight. No, no, no. I'll give it seven. It's great. It's a thoroughly entertaining movie. And there's enough ambiguity that I can't sledgehammer my reading in there. It may just be... It may be that they intended Jake's reading and they just suck and muddled it. I want to give them enough credit that I therefore have to dock them more points, but I don't know that I can really do that. So I will give it seven out of eight because it is fantastic. Where would I rank it as far as superhero movies? I think we all have to do this exercise. I would certainly put The Incredibles ahead of it. I would put Spider-Man 2 ahead of it. I think Dark Knight is a much less perfect film, but maybe ultimately one that I like better, even though it sucks and I hate it. Actually, I take that out, Uh, Yeah, it's like, uh, man, I hate dark. Yeah, but I like it. You know, it's sure, it was a lot of fun. It was Uh, great. Heath Ledger alone is better than this movie.
3: I really don't think you can name another movie besides Incredibles or Spider Man 2 that I would put ahead of it.
0: What about Alec Baldwin's The Shadow? Well, or Billy Zane's The Phantom?
3: Those are in a class of their own. Or
0: Shaquille O'Neal's Steel or Blade, Blade 3 Trinity?
1: All in a class of their own.
0: Green Lantern, obviously.
1: Boy, are they.
0: Wolverine Origins. uh,
1: Superman 4. Superman 4. The quest for peace.
0: Uh, And where would you put it in the ranking of Incredibles and Spider-Man 2? The original Superman might actually be up there. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen it.
3: Yeah, maybe in the top five or something for reasons. But in terms of an actual...
0: Coherent one package, one-stop
3: entertainment shop? That you actually wanna go back to? No. I, I think I probably put it at at number two behind Spider-Man 2 with, with Incredibles being in the three spot. And the main reason Incredibles isn't number one is just because, I don't know, maybe this is unfair, but there's not much of me that really wants to go back to the Incredibles ever again.
0: Honestly, if The Incredibles had updated animation, that might help. Just the fact that it's old is it kind
4: of. Yeah. It doesn't help.
3: Or old and not stylized enough. Like, I think hmm. this, as a- animation improves, sort of like Beauty and the Beast, the stylization of Spider Verse is going to keep it feeling unique and fresh mm-hmm. for decades. I don't think that's going to change. So, in that sense, I think it's just sort of. We put together everything that makes it fun, exciting, attractive, enjoyable from start to finish. I know it's just a lot of fun. Just it's a really great movie.
1: It is a great movie. Ben, what would you put in there? What did you? Oh, well, I'm just remembering the days when (laughs) my top three would have been Spider-Man Two. Batman Returns and Mystery Men. Mm-hmm. Those were the days, my friend, mm-hmm. but they will never come again.
0: That is very, uh, very alt. Uh, uh,
1: kind yeah, of... Batman Returns is just too evil. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is too bad. And Mystery Men, Mystery Men is still pretty great, I guess, but I don't think I ever need to watch it again. Yeah. So, I don't know. I haven't seen Spider-Man 2, but one time in my whole life for whatever reason. So, I didn't really like it when, I, when it came out. I respected it, but I did not. Like it
0: well. One day our listeners will get us up, and we will.
1: At at the same time, I can't think of something else that should be in the top three. That's besides Spider Man Two and the other two movies we're talking about. It's I so can't,
3: I can't pick a MCU movie that belongs in there. No first Iron Man movie.
0: No the first Iron. Man, the thing about almost anything you could name is that they're all flawed, and the thing about. Spider Verse, Incredibles, and what was our other one? Oh, Spider Man Two. Spider-Man is, too. You may not even like them. You may just respect them, but they're flawless. They're basically perfect examples. They of work what on their own. They work on their their intended level. Yeah, almost perfectly. And I, yeah. no Marvel movie really does that. They're all just kind of hodgepodge's of a great thing here, a dumb thing here, a yeah. lot of greatness here, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. I wonder. I mean, there's Zack Snyder's Justice League. You know, that's that's funny that <laughs> just, you throw it out there. Is that, I mean, it was pretty awesome. It it may just be a flash in the pan, like, not going to go watch it again. Or maybe I will. I don't know. I really thoroughly enjoyed that movie. I really did,
3: too. Mm-hmm. I wanted to turn around and watch it again. And it, and it made me want to go back and watch the other Snyderverse movies. Yes, which, which is... I the, never did. Maybe the worst thing you could say about I, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I never went back and watched another second of the Snyderverse or... Rewatch Justice League, but I really had a lot of fun with that movie.
1: Man. And it, yeah. You can't
0: seriously put it in the running with anything that we mentioned, though. Probably. It's no,
1: just, you can't.
0: It's too much. It's you, too stupid. It's you too... Can't,
3: f- five years from now or ten years from now, you can't dust it off and show it to somebody who did, didn't watch it in context of the drama mm-hmm. around it all and expect them to get it and love it.
1: And Maybe. You're you're probably right, but by I, that I, I don't
0: know. Well, if that's your metric, then Dark Knight wins easy because when that movie hit, it just hit. I mean, I think bigger than any anything that we've mentioned. I mean, it's Dark true. Dark Knight felt really special, and it had to do with Ledger's death and just the timing of. Well,
3: yeah, my that was my reading for why it shouldn't. Right.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with you.
3: Right. So you were saying if I'm saying if, if we're if we're going okay. to say if we're going to be able to talk about justice league for how it hit in
1: context then dark Knight has to be, then to be I, the running, yeah. I think, dark, I think dark and Knight, Knight, you're right about that. I think it
0: just wins because dark Knight just felt really special. Oh yeah. No, out.
1: it was the most, it was the, it was the best.
0: I, I think iron man also jumps to the head of the pack. Cause that movie felt pretty fresh and special when Definitely. it came out too. Yeah. The one, two punch of dark Knight and iron man was
3: just a uh, pretty magical. Or the 89 Batman.
0: Yeah, that's true too. But the 89 Batman has the disadvantage of being a crappy movie. so <laughs> Yes, it really does. Yeah, um,
1: it really does. Yeah, okay. Not I,
3: having much that holds up
0: besides the score. <laughs> yeah, and some Jack Nicholson cl- clowning around, but even that's pretty
1: tired. And No, I, I think I, uh, the same ranking Jake gave is what I would give. I'd put Amazing Spider-Man 2 first. Mm-hmm. I think I hey, would. Hey, 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 hey. So I... Oops. <laughs> well, See what I did there? <laughs> the same ranking as Jake. <laughs> I know what Jake really meant. <laughs> Listener, you're feeling very sleepy. It's been three hours of podcast. You don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> we don't know what we're saying. <laughs> we don't know what we're saying. No, I wouldn't put Amazing Spider-Man up there. I put Spider-Man 2 up there. Mm-hmm. And then, then Spider-Verse and then Incredibles. I think that's actually probably accurate. Although... I'm not. I I'm think not, there are objective to... reasons to, to put Incredibles higher, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking about now. Incredibles, Incredibles gave me more of a thrill than Spider Verse did. If that's a measurement, then like when it first hit. Yeah, I just the first two three times I saw it probably was like this movie rocks.
0: I think objectively speaking, the Incredibles takes it. I think the Incredibles is. <laughs> writing direction conception morality character i mean just any measure you could name besides the outdated animation and the fact that i just don't want to watch it right now it's a pretty special movie
1: it's just so yeah oh i'm i'm just gonna rejigger i'm remembering incredibles now yeah me too it's it's just it's been a long time okay i'll do i'm gonna do incredibles amazing spider-man 2 and spider-verse and <laughs> did you really do amazing <laughs> spider-man 2 sorry again? i can't stop saying that <laughs> spider-man 2 <laughs> spider-verse oh. I that's probably
3: the right that's probably the right order i guess you did incredible the more i no, think about it
0: incredible yeah. spider-man 2 mm-hmm. spider-verse
1: yeah yeah it's it's weird that there's not any other movies really in the running well,
0: there's just, there's sequences, you know, there's sequences from The Dark Knight. If we're putting sure, Ledger's sure. performance against everything, if we're putting <sighs> sure, certain, sure. if we're putting Downey's Jr.'s performance against, like, there's stuff from superhero, from other superhero movies that I like better than any of this, but. As, as a movie. As just a movie. Yeah. It's sad that there's not, like, a Marvel thing that you could just say is the thing.
3: I mean, what would you pick? You'd, you'd pick Iron Man, you'd pick maybe Spider-Man Homecoming or Civil War or Winter Soldier, or a Guardians movie.
0: You know, you actually didn't say the one that, okay, it's kind of cheesy and a little basic, but the Avengers.
3: Just the first
1: Avengers. The first
0: Avengers is a really fun yep. package of a movie. Yep. It's kind of perfect in its yep. way.
1: That's, that's, that's the only fully complete package Marvel movie I can... I, it, wonder how, I wonder how the but critics rank. I don't want to see it again, though. The MCU. I saw it so many times. And I fall
3: asleep during the Battle of New York every time I've Yeah. The, the last two or three times I've watched it, I've fallen asleep. It's got, literally fallen asleep. During it's the got Battle the of Marvel,
0: it's the quintessential glowy sky thing that we have to stop ending. That's kinda of boring, but the first two acts of that movie, the the gather the team stuff.
1: Well but and the first time you saw the Battle of New York, <clears throat> there hadn't been anything like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that was it's
1: really big and it's cool. Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think it's it doesn't have anything to offer you. No. Repeat viewings. Well Black Panther is the highest rated. Boo.
3: So f- let's see. Yeah, Black Panther. From Critics, let's see Black Widows 80. Boo. WandaVision's Visions 91. Falcon and Winter Soldiers 90. Loki's ninety two. Captain Marvel seventy-nine. Endgame ninety-four. Boo. Far from home ninety. Ant-Man and the Wasp eighty seven. Black <laughs> Panther ninety-six. Infinity War eighty-five. Homecoming ninety two, Ragnarok ninety three, <coughs> Guardians two eighty five, Civil War ninety, Doctor Strange eighty nine, Ultron seventy six, Ant Man eighty three.
0: Oh, I forgot about Ant Man. Winter Soldier. Maybe we need to rejigger 90. our lists here.
3: <laughs> Guardians ninety two, Iron Man three seventy nine, Dark World sixty six, Avengers ninety one. First Avenger 80, Thor 77, Iron Man 2 72, Hulk 67, Iron Man 94. So according to the critics, Iron Man at 94, Guardians at 92, Avengers 92, Ragnarok at 93, Homecoming at 92, and Black Panther at 96. Those are your... And Endgame at 94.
0: I would love to be able to make the case. There's probably a time in my life where I would have made the case for Iron Man, but... Tony Stark has been so thoroughly absorbed into pop culture and other movies and other things that it's just, it just doesn't pop as a great movie and it's not a great movie actually, but no, I think it cracked the code, it cracked the code and mm-hmm. it's, it's special and Robert Downey jr is special.
3: It the... gave us, it was the birth of the MCU and mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about cultural impact of a movie and talking about the dark night, you have to talk about Iron Man. Mm-hmm. just the way that you have to talk about i mean that would just make it down that pull it down to spider-man you know Ramy iron man and dark knight and ang lee's the hulk
1: <laughs> Was not anyone <laughs> sticking up for that one i've gone back and watched the desert sequence several times and it's pretty awesome if you want to argue yeah, for a perfectly
0: so, yeah. self-contained movie, that one is a perfectly self-contained movie. <laughs> Not to it's mention just, yeah, or... <laughs>
1: self-absorbed. Yeah, <laughs> self-absorbed.
0: <laughs> Wrong said it, but... Uh, oh my goodness. It is its own thing, and it yeah. is a complete thing in, uh, in unto itself. Yes, it is. As is Batman Returns, as is lots of things that just aren't good superhero movies, but are their own things. <laughs> That might be where I would put Zack Snyder's Justice League. Actually, I, mm-hmm. I can't in good conscience put it against other superhero movies, but it's the perfect Zack Snyder movie. Yeah, yay! Yeah, that's weird that there's nothing else that can go in that top three. I would, I think I would agree with the ranking. Did we say Incredibles, Spider-Man Two? Yeah, Spider Verse. Yeah, Spider-verse? Spider-verse, yeah. Yep, I think that's true. Huh. But which one
1: would I do? I want to turn on right now, Spider Verse. Easy. I actually Spider-Man Two. Because it's been lo- it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to keep myself for the inevitable day that our patrons unlock it for us. Right, right. Which might be a little while, but get on that, patrons, Patreon.com/slash, Sanity at the Movies. Get us up to 250. We'll be able to do the Batmans, the uh, Burton Batmans, and the Donner slash Lester Supermans. Don't think we're gonna bother with part three or part four.
1: Part three is Lester.
0: Well, we'll do a Donner and a Lester. We'll do two Donners and a Lester, actually, because we'll do uh, Donners part two, because Jake says it's good.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we really will want to do Batman Returns when we get to it. It's dark and perverse enough that I've just been thinking about it. <laughs> like oh. I haven't seen
3: it since I was a kid, so.
1: Yeah, it's pretty funny that we all watch that as kids. It's something.
3: Yeah, the only is. thing I know about it is I know I don't want to show it to my kids. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't recommend that.
3: It's—I yeah. mean, that's not all I know about it. If I start to think about it, I'm going to remember all kinds of gross, horrible things.
0: Well, there's not there, what you really want in your superhero movie is for it to start with some rich people putting their deformed baby in a sewer. That's always a good way to <laughs> to start a, a superhero movie. Yeah, like just putting him in a basket and having the baby float into a sewer. That's what we pay for when we. When we think about superheroes, the the uplift and the joy of a little deformed baby going down into a sewer and becoming a bitter monster.
1: It is one of the greatest comic book movies ever made. I think I would argue that if we ever do talk about it.
0: Well, patrons, only you can prevent us from not
4: (laughs) talking about it.
0: (laughs) Patreon.com forward slash sanity at the movies. Go there today. Tell us what you think. Are you more of a Team Jake Dad wins kind of person? Or a Team Ben Diet Dad wins kind of person or a Team Nathan big metatextual rant about the state of society kind of person. Which thing do you land on? Which portal from the sky do you want to fly into? And will you eat me? Afterwards. These are the questions and I'll tell you who can answer them. Is our favorite patron whose name I am pulling up right now. Winner of the patron award of awesomeness.
1: Alright. You win.
3: Ryan and Judith. Two of them. Hey Ryan and Judith. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for supporting us. I think that if you were in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse you would be Spider-Ham. And
2: tombstone and and, uh, the
3: super smart spider that runs the machine thing yeah
0: the super smart smarter that runs the machine thing
3: yeah the anime oh the anime girl yeah 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 Yeah. Mm. or you'd be oscar isaacs
1: in the post-credit scene oh yeah that's pretty
0: great i like that post-credit scene
3: it's
1: pretty awesome yep i don't know i just want to say i I see this spark in you it's amazing and that's why i push you (laughs) yeah and i want to say such an awesome patron it doesn't matter
0: whether i see the spark you just need to throw yourself off of a building (laughs) it's a leap of faith
3: it's a
4: leap
0: of faith faith in what i don't know it's just (laughs) a leap of faith it's a phrase we use (sighs) (sighs) yay hollywood all right i think that's the message that i want to come through these podcasts is yay hollywood yeah and yay sanity at the movies yay ben yay jake until next time He's never prepared for it, folks.
4: <laughs> never, He's never. It always takes him by surprise, a hundred percent of the time. Hundred <laughs> percent of the
3: time. <laughs> it's part of the fun at this point. <laughs> well, I can't say I see the spark in you. I got to do something different than that.
0: So. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great lines in this movie. Until I'll tee it up again. Yeah, he's a wonderful human being he he loves spider-man and fatherhood uh and now i'm just describing jake for some reason um <laughs> spider-man and fatherhood jake's two great obsessions and uh until next time folks hey
2: thanks <laughs>